Is Xbox Game Pass headed for failure? Well, the Xbox leaks are the gift that keep on giving, and it turns out Xbox and Microsoft actually leaked the documents themselves. This was not something that the FTC did or something that people were theorizing that Sony pushed for, because it's always Sony's fault when something bad happens, right? Well, prior to this, we did a show about the Xbox hardware plans, both their current and their future plans. We got to see a mid-gen Series X, a controller with haptic feet, feedback and a speaker plans for a hybrid cloud console if you want to see that video i broke all that down this though according to phil spencer on twitter a lot of those plans have changed and evolved so we'll see if anything from that turns out to be real but now we have more interesting info we have emails comments documents from phil spencer even things that he said during a sort of sit down where other xbox executives and chats that are centering around game pass and whether or not xbox will be in the business in the future from where i sit this has xbox and game pass headed for failure it seems completely unsustainable and i'm not just talking about the financials or the cost but we will look at that because it is exorbitant but their current setup and their approach will not lead to consumer growth that's ultimately what i'm going to be arguing in this video i'm using phil's own metric i'm using his own measurement for success and i'm saying this is not sustainable we will not see the growth that they're wanting to see for game Game Pass in order to stick around or to stick with it. Now, I put all the good information right here at the beginning of the video. It's a longer video because it's a live stream, and I discuss this with a live audience once I'm sort of done with the opening monologue. If you like this kind of content, hit subscribe, hit the bell button so you don't miss these shows. Well, the leaks from Xbox keep coming as a giant mistake on Microsoft's part led to a waterfall of documents being viewable by the public. I've already done a video about the current and future hardware plans, but now a lot of insight into Game Pass and the challenges that it faces. Beyond that, we have an inside look into what growth Phil Spencer wants to see and if Xbox is going to stay open for business or not. So first, I want to take the idea that the clock is ticking. We have a graphic of projected growth Phil's comments on where he wants to see things end up with specific reference to consumers off of the Xbox hardware and I will give my own thoughts on this. Second, I want to look at the cost of Game Pass. We have prices that are estimated before approaching games that are going to come to Game Pass. We can actually see what they anticipate having to spend to bring third-party games to Game Pass. And we also have a graph showing subservices that are plateauing and even Phil's own remarks and comments on the lack of growth for Game Pass. Now this will lead to my final section which is basically an I told you so. The unsustainability of Game Pass will be shown from emails between Phil and another Xbox executive. The required cadence for Game Pass is a huge issue and Phil has some remarkable candor about measuring the value of games and first party studios with respect to landing on the portfolio of Game Pass. So first, let's talk about why the clock is ticking. Why am I saying the clock is ticking? Well, I'm not the one that's saying the clock is ticking, okay? We need to look at this graph for reference because this graph basically shows all the way out to basically fiscal year 2030, and this is from a document about Xbox's plan to leadership in gaming. It's right there at the top, the path to leadership in gaming. Now, the chart ends in 2030. Now, this lines up with another document that shows a presentation where the title of the presentation is achieve industry leadership by fiscal year 2030 so this lines up with that they're considering how do we get to leadership how do we get to a position
position of dominance and a better position than we're in now over the course of the next, you know, 10 years, 8 to 10 years. Now, according to WCCFTech.com, FTC lawyer James Weingarten put the following internal Xbox Game Pass slide in front of Spencer asking him whether he agreed with the projections that show the subscription service surpassing 100 million users by fiscal year 29 and fiscal year 30, largely due to an increase in the PC and cloud market. So you can see the upper sections, the light green and the blue, needing to get larger. They're quite small at the beginning of the graph because that basically represents where we are right now. That's where they anticipated going. More on that in a second. Keep in mind, according to reports, they're not even close to hitting what the chart shows for fiscal year 23. I'm just going to make the image bigger for you so you can see what I'm talking about. All the way to the left is fiscal year 23, and you can see total Game Pass users is projected and hoped to be at 40 million. So that's where the chart starts, okay? It's starting with where we are right now. Fiscal year 23 basically ends this month, September of 2023. Now we're going to talk about that more when we discuss the cost of Game Pass, but Game Pass has stalled out at 25 million subs and that context is helpful to remember in light of what I'm about to read to you. Now I know you're going to say, oh they said 30 million. That's been walked back. That's been removed from that LinkedIn profile. I'll show you that in a second. So 25 million is where they are. This was hoping and anticipating that they would be at 40 million by now. This chart has the total of Game Pass subs hitting 50 million as we roll into next year. Like basically once this year ends, we're supposed to be at 50 million. So we're supposed to essentially be twice where we are now. They are currently at half of what this chart is projecting and you need to remember that. This is super important because listen to what Phil Spencer says. According to WCCF Tech, Spencer said in no uncertain terms that Microsoft could exit the gaming business if this projection became a reality. So he's saying if this projection becomes a reality, Microsoft needs the light green and blue segments, both PC and cloud, to get much larger and much faster by fiscal year 2027, or it could opt out of the business altogether. So that's their summary. What did he specifically say? What was the actual quote from Phil Spencer? This is what he said. So he's looking at this chart, and he says, I do not believe that this is what the future Xbox business would look like. This is a presentation from our devices organization to the gaming leadership team. So this is the view from the team that is chartered with building our hardware on what the future business would look like. I can fairly safely say that if we do not make more progress than this off of console, we would exit the gaming business. If this is where the outcome is, we would. I I don't believe we would still be in the business. So he again is specifically talking about the light green and the blue. And it's like, if that's not significantly larger, if this is where we end up, we're walking away. Okay. You have to consider they're not even at where this chart says they should be. They're below in the current fiscal year where they should be. They're about half of where they hoped to be. They hoped to be around 50 million and they're at 25. So if he's saying this chart's not high enough, then where are they on the measurement of success with respect to anything they're internally discussing? He goes on to say this, a majority of our customers are found off of our own hardware. I would hope by earlier than 2030. 
he phrases that kind of strangely. He's saying that he hopes by 2030, a majority of their customers are found off of their own hardware. He says, so when you asked me if I agreed with this chart, that the light green and the blue, depending on what colors you see, that there would be much larger, much earlier. I would say by fiscal year 26 or 27, that we should be in that position or we'd have to make a different decision with the business. So this is the push that many of us have been talking about. Okay, this is a push away from hardware. They want the majority of their customers to be off of their own hardware by 2030, okay? So if you're on console and you think of Xbox as a console, that's not their goal. There's even a slide floating around in their own documents that shows it's no longer a console, it's an ecosystem. That's like their language. A lot of us have been saying that for a while, and Phil's driving that home. He's like, look. In the next seven years, we want most of our customers to not even be on our own hardware. This is why I said it was important to know they were not even close to where the graph is. So if Phil thinks the graph is too low, then the situation's far more dire than we thought. This is why I said Game Pass is headed for failure. It isn't even achieving the goals in its lowest projections or expectations, according to Phil himself. They're below what he considers to be low expectations and projections. So let's consider the cost of Game Pass, as one document gave a glimpse into the per-game cost to bring a game to Game Pass if it's not a first-party studio. So on May 7th of 2022, Phil Spencer sent an email. It was a fairly lengthy email, about four or five paragraphs in length. And this was basically in response to what 2022 was looking like. In the wake of the Starfield delay and other lack of like clarity on game launches, he described it as a, quote, disaster situation. So the people that want to hand wave and act like 2022 wasn't that big of a deal, Phil thinks otherwise. He's like, this is a disaster situation. He said that they were likely to go through a 16-month gap between big exclusive launches on their platform. Now, in response to this, he puts pressure on the team to come up with a plan. He wanted to look at the next 24 months, and he wanted to get games that they could approach to bring to Game Pass. This is essentially the birth of the Xbox Showcase in 2022, where they said, hey, over the next 12 months, here's all the games you're getting. There was 25 games in total. About half of them did not make it. They either got pushed out of 2023 or they got pushed to the second half of the year like Starfield and Forza Motorsport. So we can see why so much from that showcase did not happen. Much of the list and the focus was in a re- it was a reaction to their own drought. It was not something that was sort of built on, hey, this is what's coming. They were sort of in a panic. It's like, we got nothing, and we need, we need to be able to walk out here and talk about everything coming, and that's what they were focusing on. Now, Sarah Bond sends an email within this email chain with about 20 games that they could approach. This is a great insight into how expensive it is to bring third-party games to Game Pass, which that's the lion's share of what Game Pass offers. If you look at the last three years, the vast majority of what's on Game Pass are third-party games. So Xbox is spending a lot of money to keep Game Pass full of games. Now, it's totally understandable. There's always going to be more third-party games releasing at a steady cadence versus first-party. Everybody gave Sony a hard time for this because of how much money they've made off of third-party games, but that's just the way the industry works. You can only have so many first-party studios. There's going to be way more third-party games releasing at a much more regular cadence. But let's look at some of the price estimates for the bigger games. 
We're going to start on what I consider to be almost the low end. Lego Star Wars, if they were to approach them as an expected partner, it was going to be about $35 million to get Lego Star Wars on Game Pass. Now, this seemed low to me, given some of the other big totals that I'm going to give you. You're like, that doesn't seem low. Well, hold on to your hat. Okay, $35 million's low. I mean, for a Star Wars game, for a Lego game, I was kind of surprised, especially when you contrast it to Dying Light 2. They estimated the request would be 50 million dollars 50 million dollars to put dying light 2 on game pass then there was a dragon ball game uh the breakers they were estimating that to be about 20 million and then let's get into some of the bigger ones so gotham knights was surprisingly at 50 million probably brand recognition right it's a batman game comic book game but then assassin Assassin's Creed Mirage was estimated at a hundred million dollars. Now we're getting into like game budget territory, okay? Uh, the, the Kill the Justice League, two hundred and fifty million dollars to bring Kill the Justice League to Game Pass. Now they didn't spend this money; these were estimates. Listen, if we go to the table and we want to get Kill the Justice League, it's going to cost us two hundred fifty million. That's a game budget. That's the that's the price to build a game. Jedi Survivor came in at a whopping 300 million. Now again, these are not things this is not money that they spent. But they're basically they're basically shopping for games for Game Pass and these are the estimated price tags. Bonkers, bonkers amount of money, right? Mortal Kombat, $250 million. So if imagine going after just those four Assassin's Creed Mirage, Kill the Justice League, Jedi Survivor, Mortal Kombat. You're looking at $500,000, million if they just went for those four titles. Those four third party titles would cost them over $900 million. So. GTA 5 was in a different scenario. If they wanted a game like that, there was an expected 12 to 15 million dollars a month. <laughs> a month to have GTA 5 every month. You're talking 15 million. Now this all seems to hit the public in two different ways. If you're like a big time Xbox fan, you're like, yeah, man, Microsoft's got deep pockets, right? I shop for shoes. They're shopping for $300 million Game Pass deals, right? We're not we're not in the same territory of spending. Big-time Xbox fans are like, hey, man, spend that money. Just wait till I cover the proposed acquisition of Nintendo. That's been hilarious to see people talk about that in just such hand-waving ways. That's not today. That's not this talk show. But similarly... When you see these prices, there are people that respond a little differently. There are, like I said, the big-time Xbox fans that are like, dude, get out the checkbook, Xbox, you know, spend that money. And then you you get to play the game for $10 a month. You get to play, <laughs> they're spending, if they go after four big third-party titles, they're spending over $900 million, and and you, you get access to all that for 10 bucks a month. So disgruntled Xbox fans like myself, I look at this and I think, imagine if all of that money went into your own studios over the last five years. Imagine if 343 wouldn't have had half of their staff on contract because you would have invested in full-time employees at the studio. Imagine the status of Halo Infinite if you would have invested in that studio 
and full-time workers and full-time staff instead of going around here and panicking and shopping around considering upwards of 900 million dollars just to get like four third-party games for game pass imagine all of that money going to their own games like as a disgruntled xbox fan who who has watched this generation flounder i mean instead of scrambling to write checks they could have been building something they could have hit the middle of this generation with insane force but they just didn't plan very well they're in a scramble two years into the gen in 2022 feels like what are we gonna do we, we don't have anything and they're like well let's go shop for game pass games i mean what well, we can we spend we can spend hundreds of millions of dollars on already existing pieces of property to throw on game pass now keep in light keep this in mind okay if you consider the financials of this in light of the reality of Game Pass and subservices in general, they're plateauing. Okay? This chart here is showing non-mobile subscription content spending. It's plateaued since late 2021. So for 2 years, the line hasn't gone up. You look at the beginning of the graph and it's like, "Oh, hey, nice. Ding 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 ding. It's going up." And then for the last 2 years, it has plateaued. Now, this is corroborated by Phil's own testimony that when asked if the if the Game Pass 25 million number had grown, he said it had not. Even the recent 30 million number got walked back. This is a correction from an article. It said that, listen, the LinkedIn profile in question removed the references to 30 million, and Microsoft reiterated to us in a statement that 25 million remains the last official milestone. So this chart for all these types of subservices, it tracks, okay, Game Pass has plateaued. And if you consider that with what they were looking at spending just in one year where they're like, oh, let's go get a couple of games. What's it going to cost us? How is this sustainable? Phil is saying that we need to be above this graph. They need to be above this graph. They're not even at this graph. And he said this graph was too low. How is that sustainable if you've already plateaued and you're hoping to have like 100 million subscribers over the course of the next seven years? In the next four years, by 2027, it's like, listen, if we don't get to where we need to be, we're out of here. That's why I'm saying that Game Pass is headed for failure. Just because Microsoft has a war chest large enough to loss lead all of this time, it doesn't mean they're going to keep doing it. Beyond the financials, this is unsustainable by Phil's own metric of success. They need more consumers outside of their own hardware to join Game Pass. So I've got to end this with, I told you so. One email exchange in particular highlights something that I have been saying for a while. Phil's mantra of one big game at quality every quarter has been an expression of a problem and a concern that I have had For a while, during some of the debates about Activision and the acquisition, I said that if you looked at Bethesda, you were not just considered an Xbox developer. You are a Game Pass developer, and that means cadence trumps quality. This is echoed in an email exchange between Gene, Emile, Elian, and Phil Spencer in March of 2021. So Gene has been a software architect at Microsoft for over 25 years. This guy's been around for a while, and two years ago, he has an exchange with Phil. And the title of the email is, 
GP relative to studios. He's saying Game Pass relative to studios. He's inquiring about Game Pass's relationship and the portfolio to a studio's value. Okay, the first email, he asks a very straightforward question. He says, does Game Pass change how you think about the value of a studio? Now, this is something I've said for a long time, is that these large acquisitions... How do you measure ROI on ZeniMax? How do you measure ROI on Bethesda or even Starfield? Let's just take Starfield. How do you measure the return of investment on Starfield? It cannot purely be done on a sales versus cost to develop. You can't do that because it's on Game Pass. It automatically is going to lower the sales by a significant amount. There's 25 million people who do not have to buy Starfield. Now, Phil initially responds to the question... And he's like, we do think differently. And he says the following, we need to drive engagement. That is the oxygen for our service and business growth. Engagement comes through content. So you can see where this is headed, right? Engagement matters. And how do you get engagement? Well, you need content, right? This is why you have to have a healthy cadence because how else are you going to get engagement, right? People are playing games that they don't buy and they're going to want more games and more and more and more. I've always said this is like a little shop of horrors, like feed me, like it's a monster that has to be continually fed. It's not about value transmission driven purchase anymore. Value transmission driven purpose is this game, this offering looks great. I'm going to buy it. That's, you know, that's how you make profit that's how you measure a studio's worth we've seen a couple of studios just this year suffer downsizing and almost getting shuttered because their game didn't do well okay now somebody might look at that and say oh well game pass would save them from that we don't have any guarantee because we don't even know how they measure the value of these studios now he goes on to say as we drive engagement the content becomes more valuable and this makes sense I don't think he's talking about it's more valuable to the end user. He's not like saying, oh, as you engage, the content like gets more valuable to you. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is as we drive engagement, the content rises in importance in this model. In other words, he's saying that the more engagement goes up, the more content we're going to need. But Gene doesn't seem satisfied by this answer because it still doesn't establish how a studio is valued. So he asks, he says, So how should studios now measure their worth to the portfolio? This seems like a fair question. What's my worth? You've got this giant portfolio, and they're not buying the game. They can just play the game. They're buying the subservice. How's that going to affect my future as a studio? Am I going to get more funding? Are you going to help me expand my team? Are we going to get downsized to lower costs to make up for whatever we, you know, construe as losses in this relationship? Phil is very candid, and I want to show this because I don't want anybody thinking that I made this up, okay? He says, the truth is, he just opens up the email, he says, the truth is to your answer of how to measure worth is, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know. Now that is not the opener I expected. Since this is a question I'm always asking, I was like, oh, maybe they have a metric of measurement. Maybe there's some sort of cost risk assessment for the project and the studio in relation to their impact on Game Pass. He goes on to say, it's some combination of attract and retain to our service. Different games perform differently. Some are very high on play and therefore a higher impact on retention. Others are good top of funnel for attract, but they don't get much play. You need both. I'd be lying to you if I told you we had the Excel sheet of the value of a game completely figured out. Now... (laughs) I'm sorry. This is in 2021. 
So maybe in the last two years, they've come up with some semblance of a formula or measurement, okay? (laughs) Like, hey, we finally figured out how to measure a game's impact and worth as it pertains to Game Pass, since Game Pass is the central identity of our platform for the last, like, seven years. But, okay, it's an email response that comes two emails later from Gene that I really think is telling. And it's really confirming what I have said so many times. It's the second line that struck me as strong agreement with the things that I've been saying for a while, okay? Now, if, if you consider the fact of what he's been asking, he sort of comes to his own conclusion. He's like, how do you measure the value of a studio? How do you do it, all right? The second line, he says, in my mind, if a studio completely needs to prove their worth by being net value over their costs, it adds a ton of pressure to release hits on a regular basis. If a game is niche, though, too bad. So he's basically asking a question like, if a game's too niche, are we even going to bother making it? But it really is the first part. He's saying, listen, if their net value, it's, it's that over their costs, then there's all this pressure to release hits on a regular basis because that's your greatest impact to Game Pass and the ecosystem. What did Phil say? We need content. Why? We need engagement. That's what we need. We need engagement. And how do you get engagement? Well, content becomes more valuable the more we get engagement. The more people we get, the more content we need. This is possibly one of the reasons they plateaued because they have not been feeding Game Pass big first-party hits. Now, we'll see if Starfield had an impact because if they can start to deliver games at a regular cadence, maybe we will see the growth that Phil was hoping to see. I think the greatest challenge is he wants to see growth on PC. He wants to see growth on this chart, right? He wants to see cloud and PC grow and I don't know how you're going to do that currently with Steam being an enormous barrier for PC adoption. Now, this gets at the heart of something I've been saying for such a long time. This this email from Gene that says proving their worth is their net value over cost. That's pressure. That's pressure to just keep putting out hits on a regular basis. Disney's insistence on a new Star Wars game every six months, and then look at Jedi Survivor's launch. Now Xbox wants a big game at quality every quarter. That hasn't happened yet. It didn't even happen this year. Okay, this was supposed to be a turnaround year. It hasn't happened because Redfall, no. Forza Motorsport's not even ready, and it's coming out basically late. It's coming out delayed, and it's not even ready. It's missing features and missing tracks. The pressure to release hits on a regular basis, it's not conducive to everything we know about game development. Even recently, we've seen behind the curtain into crunch culture and how bad that is for games at launch. People that crunched the heck out of their studios were still spitting out games that were bad or not ready for launch. And every other week, it seems like another game is delaying itself. So this is why I'm saying Game Pass is unsustainable. It's headed for failure. Phil's metric of success is pulling in users who are not currently on their hardware. If first-party games are coming out at a cadence to help studios prove their worth to Game Pass, I have a feeling those games will not be compelling offers. Look at Starfield's general score everywhere. 
Look at it on Steam. Look at the score as it fell after you weren't dealing with early access. Look at the review scores as they fell once we were not dealing with curated, hand-picked review outlets, okay? That's not a title that's compelling people to jump into the ecosystem. It's a middling title with a middling score, and that's what you're going to get when you put Cadence ahead of quality. You're not going to suddenly double your Game Pass user base with launches that land like this, or even years that land like this. 2023 has not been a knockdown, drag-out winning year for Game Pass. You have to move this graph according to Phil. You've got to surpass this graph, and they're on pace to be about half of what's there. You will not, I don't think, see this with rush games or games that are not ready. Spending millions of dollars to get third-party games on Game Pass, that's a snake eating its tail. So from where I sit, Game Pass is headed for failure on two fronts. It's not economically sound in light of all we've seen with subservice plateau and potential decline. It's not financially viable given the exorbitant cost to get third-party games on the service that are sizable enough to matter. If they would have gotten four of those titles that were sizable and impactful, you're talking over $900 million. That is not financially viable especially when you're not converting users. Remember, that's the metric of success here. Growing the user base, not just maintaining 25 million. The internal pressures and the value measurements of first-party studios are going to prize cadence over quality, and I think that's going to make it really, really hard to grow your user base. Keep in mind, I'm using Phil Spencer's own logic here. This is not me. It's what he said. That's why I looked at all this and said... Game Pass is headed for failure. Xbox almost shut down in 2014, and next year will be the 10-year anniversary of that fork in the road. And from where I sit, Game Pass certainly got the car back on the road, but if current reports and projections hold, the Game Pass car is going to run out of gas, leaving Xbox with another hard decision. So let me give you my thoughts And my conclusion here, whenever Game Pass comes up, I think a lot of Xbox fans really misunderstand my position. I think the idea and the birth of Game Pass was the brilliant B12 shot that Xbox needed. And at the time, it made good sense. Their own internal documents points to Netflix and Hulu and Disney+. Plus. But that was years ago. That that was when people thought, oh, subservice is the way to go. Everybody's going to go subservice model. Well, the subservice model is cracking beneath the weight of heavy costs and plateaued growth. And this is why I've continued to say you need to innovate on the model. You have to foster a culture of purchase. What they are doing now is not drawing in new users. So that's another factor to consider with respect to what their position is and what their value offer is. How are you going to get another, if if they want to do this by 2030, how are you going to get another 75 million people in your ecosystem? That's the question Phil's got to ask, because according to him, if this doesn't get to where they need to be, they're going to shut down. The second thing is, is the chart that Phil Spencer looked at is probably the most damning thing about this. They are so far behind this chart. It's remarkable that they would that he would even say what he said. They're not even on pace with the chart. And he says that this chart's not high enough. What's their next big idea? What's going to spark enough market awareness and demand to double your current subsize? And even if you do that, according to Phil, you're still behind. Paying large amounts of money for third-party games simply won't be enough. And even that was an emergency plan in 2022 to fill a huge gap in their content flow. 
beyond just paying for third-party games, I don't think their first-party offerings are going to be strong enough. Redfall already did damage, and it's looking like Forza Motorsport may do some more. Launching late and incomplete, this cannot be hallmarks of first-party day-and-date Game Pass games. My conclusion is this. The unsustainability of Game Pass reaches beyond the sheer cost of operation and spending. We didn't even consider the annual operating costs of ZeniMax Studios, but it's more than just the money. It's the model itself. It's not producing growth of the user base and a cadence of first-party games that aren't polished if they feel rushed, if, if they feel like oh yeah, these games aren't even ready, it's not going to pull new users in. What you're going to do is you're going to drive existing users away. The Xbox leaks continue to point to a brand and a platform that's evolving and changing. And everything surrounding Game Pass points to a ship that will not stay afloat for very long. They need a sharp rudder turn, and they need results, or according to Phil's own words, they will leave the business. And that will be another time. I'll have to turn on the camera and turn on the mic and say... I told you so. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here. That was whew, that was a lot to, to go through. That was a lot to come over. I tried to make it a, a logical argument based on their own documents, based on their own statements, based on their own standing, based on their own stats. Okay? <laughs> like, this is not some hit piece hate piece. I'm looking at what they said. I'm looking at their own internal reports. I'm looking at external reports and I'm saying, this is headed for failure. This can't work. This this will not sustain itself. It's an unsustainable model and I don't think they're going to get the conversion that they need. So, I appreciate you guys so, so much being here. Make sure you're doing all of the things. I know on days like today, you know, we get a lot of people watching the show that think I hate on Xbox. I do not hate Xbox. I want Xbox to do better. I want them to turn things around. I do not feel that I've gotten worth and value out of my buy-in this time around. I bought into the Series X, and I've been very, very disappointed. And I would like them to change things. I would like them to change the culture of Game Pass. I would like them to spend more money and invest more money in their first-party studios. What happened to 343 and Halo Infinite is not something we want to see replicated again. Half your staff should not be on on contract a five spot from fcap stadia shut down because of low user base don't you think uh don't think you're safe xbox fans thank you for the five dollar super chat tip let me check okay we I didn't have anything from the show open that was uh fcat just now and guys let's get the daily goal up there let's get the coffee in the shot if you order some coffee let me know i want to shout you out and say thank you consider upgrading to member plus If you are a gifted member or a new member, they got to sit in on this show's write-up yesterday. We're calling it the Writer's Room. If you want to upgrade to Member Plus, use the upgrade command. And a $5 tip from Phrase Cram. Been watching you for almost a year now. It's funny how your predictions come true. How often your predictions come true. Game Pass is the 12-foot deep grave. Xbox itself may follow. Yeah, and Game Pass Core is not new subs. They They just converted people off of Xbox Live. Right? They just converted people off of Xbox Live. Listen, listen. Phil, in what he said, that doesn't even weigh in on the on, on the metric. Phil is not sitting here saying we just gotta see Game Pass go up. He's not saying that. There it is. Han shot first, and so did you. First gifted member of the day. Thank you, John. 
always appreciate you so much gifting a member and raptor gifts another one thank you so much for that single gifted member raptor guys if you want to gift members to this platform to this channel i'm sorry you let people into the members only content you let them into our members only discord and if you upgrade you get into the writer's room at the end of every single day here's the thing here's the thing he's phil is not just saying we need more game pass subscribers he wants the majority of their users to be off their hardware by 2030 what he's saying is is we want people cloud we want people pc if that line doesn't grow we're 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 not doing what we need to do yo henry heck gifts another member thank you so much henry heck for doing that and that bumps the line to three members already on the day thank you so much ps plus better i don't think so I don't think PS Plus is is that much better. I don't think PS Plus is doing that much better. It's plateaued as well. The difference is PlayStation's not setting its sights on its identity and its platform on Game Pass. Phil Spencer is, again, the one that I'm going to. He said, if we're not where we need to be by 2027 with Game Pass users off of our own hardware, we're out of the business. We're not even going to stay in here. You understand, running to Sony and PS Plus doesn't matter because Sony is not planting its flag in PS Plus in the same way. They're not they're not attaching the the soul of PlayStation to that. Like if PlayStation Plus plateaus, they're like, okay, fine, it's additive. We that's not central to our identity. Yo, Patrick Q with a gifted member. Thank you so so much. Next gifted member is a layup, and that is an easy one to set up. That five out of twenty five. Um, Game Pass is awesome for my kids. This is not a discussion about Game Pass's value because I actually think Game Pass has value. I think it needs to be restructured. I think they need to fold in ID at Xbox so that the indie studios they work with, they could foster purchase of those games. I've continued to say that I think there needs to be a melding of ID at Xbox and Game Pass, create a whole new tier within Game Pass to say, hey, you get trials of all these great indie titles to foster purchase. That's a great way to introduce the concept of people like, oh, I can try games before I buy them. And then you let your first party studios continue to hit day and date, but you start leveraging really big third party games that you know are going to sell imagine instead of having to go to Jedi Survivor and say hey uh, we need to give you 300 million to put you on Game Pass instead what they could do is broker a deal with Jedi Survivor to do a trial through Game Pass and therefore foster purchase so both Xbox and the studio behind and the publisher behind Jedi Survivor make more money or make good money like don't you see there, there's there's a way forward that doesn't completely change Game Pass. It just evolves it into something bigger than it currently is that would ultimately generate more mev- revenue. And if you do it right, you could get people to convert. There it is. Thank you so much, Joker Quinn. That's the layup setting up the five out of 25. That's an easy point to score because now a 20 bomb could set us all the way there. But DK Baker comes in with a single and takes us to six. Thank you so much, DK Baker. Six out of 20. That now makes the 20 bomb the agent of chaos. So, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. The. Oh, yeah, Jedi Survivor. So, if. Do you see the difference? It's like you could spend less money, generate more sales. And if they position it properly. So, imagine that you're looking at that Phil Spencer report. 
I didn't talk about the extra $23 per user, Eugene. It didn't seem to fit in. It didn't seem to fit in with the trajectory. I didn't want to go off on that tangent because I was mainly talking about how this isn't sustainable. I guess that you could you could tie that into the financials. According to Xbox's own internal documentation, Game Pass users spend an average of $23 more a year. Now, we don't know if that's a causative relationship. That could be a correlating relationship because people who sign up for Game Pass are potentially the type of people who like to spend money on the game on the, on the Xbox ecosystem. So that $23 could be a correlating data point, not a causative one. We don't know if there's a causal relationship between, oh, I'm on Game Pass, so I spend more money. It quite literally could be this portion of our user base spends more money on our platform. I mean, they have Game Pass and they're buying microtransactions, so they spend an average $23 more a, mo- a year. Now, Eugene's point yesterday was you're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to feed the Game Pass funnel and you're only getting 23 extra bucks from the people on Game Pass. Like, that's all you're getting from them annually. They're spending, on average, 23 more dollars than the people that are not on Game Pass. But again, you're... (laughs) But again, you're talking about... People that are on the platform already spending money. We don't know that again. That could be a correlative data point. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean it's a causative data point. The causality there could simply be these are users that spend money. They're tied in. They play lots of games, and this is a bargain. No, it's not twenty three a month. I misspoke. It's an extra twenty three dollars a year. It's like a buck. What is it? A buck ninety something a month that they spend more than than people not. It's something like that. It's basically, when you multiply it by 12, it's $23. It's $23 a year. I just misspoke. I was reading somebody, somebody said something per month in chat, and I misspoke and read what they said. So, again, that ties into the financials of it, right? It's like, well, what if you didn't have Game Pass? Those people might have spent more than that extra 23. They might have spent... 50 more dollars than the average user on your platform or whatever. Why? Well, because they would have to. (laughs) I mean, they would have to. If they want to play games, they'd have to buy the games. So you foster an ecosystem of people that are like, I stay on Game Pass so I don't have to buy games. And you're like, well, we get an extra $23 a year from them. Now, this is what somebody might say in retort. What they would say is, well, that's 25 million people. And if you multiply those 25 million people and you say, okay, times that by $23, that's $575 million. I think I did that math right, right? You have 25 million people, you multiply that by $23. Each each of those 25 people is spending an extra 23. So there's 575 million, I think. That, that's what people would push back and say. They would say, well, sure, it's only $23 a year, but that's $23 a year multiplied by the 25 million consumers. Oh, great. Did you hear how much it's going to cost to put some of those bigger titles on Game Pass? That's where it comes to me to be unsustainable. It's like, well, you're talking about $300 million just for a title like Jedi Survivor. $100 million for maybe a smaller title. $50 million for maybe a slightly smaller title like uh, Dying Light 2. Uh, thank you so much, Luis, for a new membership. You guys don't have to wait for a gifted membership. You can click the join button on your own. 
You do not have to wait for a gifted member. Microsoft reward uh, uh, rewards offers free Game Pass. I haven't paid in years. Well, I mean, five hundred seventy-five million, right? Okay, yeah, that's that's the math. The math checks out. Well, if Mackie if Mackie did the same thing I did, right? You got twenty-five million people, an extra twenty-three dollars per person. So that's what people would push back and say. Again, you have to ask: is is the financials of that? Is that enough? 25 mil times 12. Well, no, no, no. It's 25 million people. Each individual out of that 25 million is spending an extra $23 a year. That's what the that's what the report said. Stone Spire with five months and a VIP. Love this community and your content. Keep it the great work. My man, Stone Spire. How are you, dude? Welcome back. Good morning, Thrifty. So I think that's fair pushback, but that's not what I'm drilling down on. I'm not drilling down on the financials. The financials... We know it's a loss lead, okay? Nobody in their right mind would say that Game Pass is not a loss lead. They know it's a loss lead. The point of Game Pass is loss lead to growth. That's the point. Like, subservices, that's what they do. They loss lead to growth, and then when you plateau, you raise the price. That's something that every platform is doing. PS Plus, Disney Plus... Netflix has done it, okay? So we know we know it's a loss lead. So I'm not that's not important to me. What's important to me is what Phil Spencer said. Phil Spencer is looking at this chart. Hang on, I'm on the wrong frame. Phil Spencer's looking at this chart and he's saying if we're at this, we're in trouble. Let's just let's just make this really easy to look at. Let's go like that and then I'm going to go bing. Okay. He's saying if this is where we end up, we're in trouble. If you go all the way to the right, that's the end of fiscal... That's fiscal year 23 into fiscal year 24. We are about to go into fiscal year 24. And do you see where the line is? It's close to 50 million. They wanted to be... They wanted to be at 50 million by, by, by now. And they're not. And Phil looks at that chart and he says... If we don't have more users generating off of our own hardware, we, we're not even going to be in the business by 2027. By 2030, he wants the majority of their user base to be off their own hardware. Do you know what that means? That means, if you look at this chart, the blue and the light green line, he wants that to be bigger than the green section beneath. So by 2030, the area closest to me, what Phil wants is he wants that dark green section to be, at the very least, slightly smaller than the blue and the lime added together. That's not happening. There's just no way. It's not happening. I I don't see their current structure, their current offering, generating that many people off of Xbox hardware into Game Pass. Now, this makes sense of, I believe it was his comments to the Brazilian regulator where he said, we have plateaued on console. We see opportunity to grow on PC. That's where they see the opportunity for growth. And Parasito says, if Microsoft is in triage with Xbox, what are the odds they just sell Xbox all together? I don't know. Mackie says, well, well, we can see why they converted gold to Game Pass Core to make the milestone. 
do you th- how many people do you think were on Xbox Live, Mackie? Do you think that there were 25 million people on Xbox Live that are suddenly now counted as a Game Pass subscriber? Like what Eugene's saying, they're like 40% behind. Like they just confirmed that the the 30 million milestones not even true. They just did that. They just confirmed and said, "Oh no, no, no. The last official milestone is 25 million." And that person took 30 million off their LinkedIn. Now, the reason I put you, you want to know my personal theory why they put 30 million on their LinkedIn? I think they put 30 million on their LinkedIn because they probably just crossed into the 26 or 27 million range and they rounded up so it would look good on their on their profile. That's my theory. I think that they just recently hit, you know, 26 or 27 and they just rounded it up. You know, 30 looks really nice. 26 or 27 is kind of eh. It doesn't look as clean as like 25 and it's like 27. It's like, well, no, 30. That's what I think happened. And somebody said, hey, take that off your freaking pl- your profile. What are you doing? Alexander Harris with a $10 Super Chat tip. I think PlayStation did it right with their subservice. They still make ROI on their first-party games because you have to buy them, and they have their service, which is an add-on. Eugene says, I doubt there were that many that were just Xbox Live. Yeah, there's no way that they were sitting on a treasure trove of 25 million Xbox Live customers that are now considered Game Pass customers. Let's just, okay, I tell you what. Let's just say that's the case. Let's just say that's the case for the sake of the discussion that there were 25 million people still on Xbox Live and they all just got converted to Game Pass so that they could say, hey, we have 50 million Game Pass users. That doesn't weigh in on what Phil Spencer wants to see. Phil Spencer doesn't want to see the Game Pass number grow because anybody on Xbox Live is, guess what, on an Xbox. He's worried about the users off of their hardware. He wants the users off their hardware to be the majority by 2030. That means over the next seven years, if you're on console, you're not the priority. Or at least you have shifted down in priority. I should say that. You're still a priority, but you have shifted down in priority. Why? Because they're targeting everybody that is not on Xbox. 25 million Xbox Live users doesn't seem outlandish to me, TBH. Yeah, let's just say it. Let's just say it. That's fine. 25 million influx like that. Yeah, you're no longer on Xbox Live. You're an Xbox Game Pass core customer. We now have 50 million Game Pass subscribers. Wow. That doesn't feel like cooking the books at all. Let's ignore that for a second. According to Phil Spencer, they're behind if that's the case. He looks at that chart and he's like, yeah, this this better not be where we end up. If we end up here, we're out of the business. Newtonian with a $5 super chat tip. If the FTC doesn't let us buy up majority of the market and loss lead to first place, we'll go out of business is a pathetic strategy in my opinion. Yo, good morning, Feed. Good to see you in the chat. Parasite, 25 million. Oh, Parasito, he meant to say. Parasito, 25 million is outlandish given console saturation and Xbox Live being included in Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah, I'm with Eugene. I don't think there were 25 million people just sitting on the standard Xbox Live. I think that, I think there was... At most, I think the highest, the highest I would even consider is maybe 10, maybe 10 million. Hilly says 11.7 million were Xbox Live Gold in April. Okay, so there you go. It ain't 25, so let's say it's somewhere between 10 and 15. That, (laughs) that's perfect. 
that's perfect it gets them really really close to that 40 million mark you see over there the very very far line fiscal year 23 40 million let's just say they had a nice crispy 15 million lying around according to hilly it was around 12 million so and that was in that was in 2022 there's no way xbox live increased by millions of users from 2022 to 2023 there's no reason for that there's no offer nobody's going and signing up for xbox live in droves so let's just say 12 million that means there are around 37 million game uh xbox game pass subscribers right now and it's a cooked number because 12 million of those people didn't even choose Game Pass. They just got converted to it. And it's not even the real Game Pass. It's Game Pass Core. They don't even get day and date. They get like 25 titles and online. So there you go. They're close to 40. According to Phil, that's not enough. According to Phil, they need to surpass that. According to Phil, over the next seven years, they need more users. He wants the majority of their users to be off the hardware. Do you see now why hardware is just not a priority? Why they're constraining console distribution for the cloud? Like, that's not their goal. Do you remember when we said Xbox is moving away from hardware? I mean, hardware is a part of the equation. It's no longer the equation. It's no longer the focus of Xbox. I mean, I know it's purely aesthetic, but I didn't even think about it from Doc, uh, Doc Dark's perspective this morning. He's like, it's not even a box anymore. The The mid-gen Series X is a cylinder. Every Xbox up to this point has been in the shape of like a box. It's a box. Like, and that's a cylinder. It looks like an Alexa. Didn't Sony cook their books by combining PlayStation Plus and PS Now? Sure, but that's not the point. The point is, is that PlayStation's not saying if we don't have a certain number of PlayStation Plus subscribers, we're shutting down. PlayStation's not saying this is central to our identity. They're not saying that like, oh yeah, all of our stuff day and date. PlayStation's not going out and and considering spending $300 million on one title to put on PlayStation Plus. Maybe they are. We don't know. We don't know what they spend to put a game on PS Plus. We're not talking about PlayStation, Aerodimus. You guys are addicted to going to the whataboutisms of PlayStation. According to Phil Spencer, Game Pass must grow outside of the hardware. They followed the console leader? What console leader? What are you talking about? You're saying Xbox followed the console leader? That's what you're saying? This has nothing to do with Sony. You are not allowed to do that here. You're not allowed to do your whataboutisms. If your only contribution to this conversation is to point at Sony, then I want you to leave. When we talk about Sony, you can bring up Sony, right? I don't like people doing that when I'm talking about PlayStation. I do the same thing. I'm like, don't come in here and just bash Xbox. We're talking about PlayStation. When we were doing our state of play discussion and our state of play predictions, I had a couple of guys doing that. They were debating Starfield, and I told them to stop. I don't let people do that. You're just you're just trying to distract from the main subject, and it's it's not conducive to a live environment with over a thousand people and a moving chat. Like I I do that regardless of what we're talking about. That one day, I couldn't believe those guys. Like, we're talking about Spider-Man and State of Play, and you guys have been debating Starfield for like 15 minutes. Quit it. The discussion we're having is, is Game Pass headed for failure? If you look at the financials of it, if you look at Phil Spencer's own commentary, if you look at the status of how they're having to think about their own first party, look, look at the emails that I showed you. Look at these emails between Gene and Phil. The second, The second paragraph second paragraph 
He says, in my mind, if a studio completely needs to prove their worth by being net value over their cost, it adds a ton of pressure to release hits on a regular basis. That, that's the, that's it. That that's that's what I've been saying for such a long time. It's like your value to Xbox is no longer make a great game. Your value to Xbox is get this game out. We need cadence for Game Pass. You're not a you're not an Xbox developer. You're a Game Pass developer. You're developing for a subservice. According to Phil Spencer, we need content. Why? Because we need we need we need exchange. We uh, we need engagement. We don't just need really good games. We need content. Content drives engagement. And once we get the engagement, that well, then we need more content. That's that's what we're discussing. We're discussing is that even a sustainable model? A five-dollar tip from Dalton Russell. I hope Phil was being hyperbolic. The industry is better with Xbox in it. PlayStation is already getting a bit complacent. Without Microsoft, they'd have no competition. How is PlayStation getting complacent? Have you seen any of the revenue reports of their hardware and their sales? Are they complacent by launching a controller with a screen on it so that you can play on the go? Are they complacent by being the first into VR on console? Are they complacent by, I don't know, what else have they been doing? I mean, all the other things they've been doing with, even with first party, are they complacent with Spider-Man 2 right now? You think they're complacent because you're like, yeah, 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 I'm a... we're not going to let you know about our other first party studios. That's not complacency. They're doing episodic marketing. Like I've not seen complacency in them. They're investing in their accessories. They're investing in potentially new hardware. Is a PS5 Plus complacent? Like because that we're hearing about that is a unified SKU complacent so they can have an external hard drive. I I don't I don't think you can say well they're being complacent. They're leading in in a similar fashion that Nintendo's leading. You think Nintendo's complacent too? Like, come on. Five spot from Mackie. I do think after ABK, they'll have no issues growing the content. Uh, we'll feed the monster. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think Zenimax is a great test case of acquiring studios doesn't suddenly give you quality content because... Redfall's a disaster, and Starfield's getting middling scores everywhere. Like, Starfield's not driving people to Game Pass throughout the year. I bet you it had an impact. Right then and there, they probably saw a surge in console sales and Game Pass, and it's over. All that money, all that time, all that marketing for a week, a a boost, a month, let's say. A month of boosted awareness boosted sales boosted game pass but if you look at the review scores it's not going to continue to carry you can't put you can't carry game pass on one title anyway if phil says that you need content you need a steady flow of content so starfield is just one game in a barrage of content that they're trying to put out in order to keep not and, and this is the thing we keep forgetting it's not just keeping game pass happy it's growing Game Pass. Henry Heck with a $5 Super Chat tip. Xbox Game Pass is headed to become Microsoft Game Pass because Xbox is about to walk the plank. It burned too much money. ABK had issues before Microsoft bought them. All those issues magically resolved now. I I think it's another great piece of insight. There were were emails during the FTC trial where Jim Ryan was like, they're going to have a management problem on their hands because a bunch of people are going to walk. Do you see what I'm saying? Starfield in the last hour has 317,000 users logged in and in the first three weeks peak viewers 
Who cares about viewers? Peak viewers? That's that's not that doesn't matter. And Power Boss, I wasn't talking about the people that got it and are enjoying it. I said ongoing Starfield's not converting. You you, you have you have to listen to what I'm saying. I'm using Phil Spencer's own logic. I'm going to keep running back to him because it makes it really hard for you guys to come at me and say I'm hating or I'm seething or I'm coping or whatever other juvenile extended adolescent vocabulary you want to parrot because your favorite YouTuber says it. I'm running to Phil Spencer because Phil Spencer makes it very clear. We need to grow the user base off of the console. So let's take Starfield as an example. Starfield had crazy good numbers on Steam for early access, did it not? It really did. None of those people are on Game Pass. Do you see? Like, even if you want to run to Starfield and be like, well, look at how many people played. Look at the Steam charts. Okay, that didn't grow the Game Pass user base on PC, homie. And according to according to Phil, that's the goal. That's That's the goal. The goal is... You gotta grow the user base on on Game Pass off of console. Michael Mooney, once anyone buys a product, they no longer are a priority to the platform holder. It happened with Connect. It's happening with the VR console. It's why the VR console isn't growing. Hence, why Xbox wants to be the biggest in gaming market. V, what what VR console are you talking about? Are you talking about standalone consoles? The standalone VR seem to be doing just fine. Oh, you weren't talking about it that way, Power Boss. Okay. These docs are old. You're using old date. If you're quoting Phil, then you have to believe him and he said it was old data. Hadigan, no, no. Phil commented on this chart during the FTC hearing. That was like a couple of months ago, homie. This is a recent chart. This is a recent document that's projecting the path to leadership in gaming. This isn't old data. Homie, you understand this is a projection, right? This This is looking into the future. There's no old data here. And Phil commented on this during the FTC hearing, which was this year. And he was like, if that's where we end up, we're not going to be in the business. They're not even on pace to be in line with the chart. They're below the chart. Victory says, in response to previous Super Chat, why is it on Xbox to buy everything for the sake of PlayStation being good? And when does the buying reach a point where people stop this logic? I don't understand the idea that the market leader that's having its highest revenue and it's 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 on pace to surpass its previous console saturation but they're complacent listen if you're losing to complacency you might as well close up shop now you might as well close up shop now if you and i were on a sales team and i was kicking the snot out of you i was selling three to one over you and you were like I'm, I'm really going to dig deep this month because you're just being complacent. Listen to me. If you're losing to me and I'm being complacent, then you're garbage and you should quit. If you can't beat somebody being complacent, then just pack it up and go home. Shut the doors and go downtown and do something else. Because if literally, if that's the argument that, man, I really, I really hope Xbox gets ABK, that'll really make PlayStation compete What the frick are you talking about? If PlayStation's not really competing, if PlayStation's being complacent, which with like one one hundredth of the market capital and potential spending of Microsoft, if they're doing that, then how bad are you? 
You have a war chest of money, a war chest of money, and you can't beat Sony and they're being complacent? That argument doesn't hold water with me. If you can't beat a company being complacent, then shut it down. You're wasting all of our time. Next super chat. Seven spot from the J. I have Game Pass Ultimate from 2019 to 2025. I got a free upgrade from Xbox Gold to Ultimate. I just spent pennies to get gold. It's not sustainable. Oh, a ton of people did that. Ton of people did that. Buying huge publishers to buy yourself into a better position industry-wide just doesn't seem right to me. I don't want to get into the acquisition discussion. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Because I see some remarkable takes. I've seen some remarkable takes on Twitter. We're not talking about that. I broke this into pieces for you because there was no way I was going to cover their hardware leaks, the Game Pass leaks, and the acquisition leaks. There was no way I was covering that all in one monologue. These monologues are already hitting high numbers. Vijay, after his super chat, gets a gifted member from my man, Captain Toasty Buns. Brother, I'm cooking and my temperature's going up. I gotta open the door. It's getting hot in here. Whew. The AC is not kicking on. It's been so nice outside. It's been like so cool that our AC is not, it's not kicking on. And uh, buddy, I'm sitting here roasting because of it. It's like the freaking, where the air doesn't move in here. Continue. Okay. Uh, Yes, yes. Microsoft let that conversion loophole happen to inflate their sub numbers, but they couldn't sustain it long term. I mean, and I think that's part of the issue as well, is it's like a lot of a lot of what we see and a lot of what we've heard is that you know, the numbers are going up, the numbers are going up. Well, while the numbers are going up, you're letting people get in for a dollar. You know what I'm saying? And that loophole gets closed and all of a sudden you're you're all of a sudden you're dealing with all of a sudden you're dealing with a plateau not only are you dealing with a plateau you're dealing with a plateau you know globally yo the Zedric jumps in all on his own that's a single member thank you so much and then we got a five bomb coming in that takes us to 14 14 thank you so much for the five bomb from Blurred Rotic. I love seeing a white badge gift members. That's incredible. Like a brand new member is gifting members to the community. That's awesome. Mackie with a $5 tip. If I'm losing to you, I buy all the suppliers and cut you off. If I have the pockets of Microsoft to spend you out of the market. Right. And I think people think that that's like cute or funny or ha 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 suck at Sony. I don't think you realize how damaging that would be to the market if we just let them do that. So again, I don't want to get into the acquisition discussion. I want to talk about the sustainability of Game Pass. We got to try to stay on that because we're going to you're going to cannibalize. I got to write that monologue, I got to do my research, I got to put emails up on the screen. Let me kind of 
let me do my thing here, right? I've got I've got monologues and shows I want to do, and you're taking you're trying to take me over there, and I don't want to go there just yet. I got to have ample time. There were so many PDFs, I couldn't adequately research every single topic individually. It just wasn't possible. I'm extremely busy when I'm not in this chair. I know you're joking, Mackie, but that still touches on the subject. Phantom of the Night with a five month membership. If PlayStation were getting complacent, they wouldn't be trying to launch 10 different live service games, continue VR support, and expand their user base to PC. I agree with that. Uh, A 10 spot from Dragon. I know this is unknown. I think that spending more money on your first party companies can make their games better, but not a guarantee. I think uh, that they are scared of uncertainty, meaning no trust. Okay, track with me here. Track with me here. We, we learned that 343 was in a crisis mode. We learned they had to bring in Joseph Staten to basically get the game out the door. Okay, we learned all of that. Okay. We then learned in the post-mortem of Halo Infinite, it was a good game. Shush. Stop it. it we learned the post-mortem that half of their staff was on contract. Half. Nobody questions that. No one says, why is a first-party studio with Microsoft's deep pockets, why are they leaning on 50% contractual workers? Because according to Microsoft's own policy, those contracted workers are walking out the door every 18 months. Constant knowledge loss. Constant. Constant disruption of project flow. And any semblance of vision transfer. So, and then, and then what happens? Well, Halo Infinite, it launches and it's terrible. And you can't support it. It's like, well, it had a good campaign. We are talking about getting people to buy into this generation. We are talking about converting people to Game Pass. You can't do that with, well, the campaign was okay. If they would have had a banging, well-launched, fully supported, excellently built, live-service Halo, it would have been a different scenario. But what do they do? They don't do that. They have their own first-party studio with half the staff on contracts. And then what happens? Well, they turn around in 2022 and they're like, what are we going to do? We don't have any titles. Oh, there's going to be 16 months. 16 months of no titles. So what do they do? Phil's like, go shopping. Sarah Bond comes back and is like, well, if, you know, we want to get Jedi Survivor, uh, $300 million. You, you want to get uh, D- D- Dying Light, too? Oh, that's $50 million. You uh, you want to get, you know, uh, what was it, Assassin's Creed? You know, you know, $150 million, $200 million. The four big titles we looked at, it was like Assassin's Creed, Mortal Kombat, Star Wars, and I forget the other one. When you add up those four, it was like... If they went after those four titles alone, it was going to be like $900 million. Multiple game budgets. Half the staff, I think, prefers contracts. It makes them more money. What did you just say? What did you just say? (laughs) What? What? What do you mean half the staff? prefers contracts that makes them more money there were people that were working at 343 and they're no longer there and they're like it was terrible (laughs) they were like well we prefer contracts what do you mean are you saying the people enjoy being on contracts 
You're saying that? No one has said that. No one has uttered that phrase ever. Like, I love being on contract work after 18 months. I got to go find another job. I can't go back and work on that project again within six months. So basically, there's a six-month window of I can either wait to go back and work on Halo or I got to go get a job somewhere else. And a lot of the times, they have assigned NDAs. We can't even say what we're working on. So my resume can't even be updated until the project's out. Once the project's out, I can say I worked on Halo Infinite. But while Halo Infinite's in process, I can't even put it on my resume. It's not even on my LinkedIn. So basically, I'm left in the lurch and can't even get a new job. What are you even talking about? Septic sauce with a five spot. This super chat is just to say, uh, thanks for the, oh, 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 I know who you are. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) Bottom feeder's got a bottom feed. I love contracts, says no one. The being attempts good for money? The bargain for pi- higher pay on the contract? James? Listen to me now. You're here on a regular basis. I'm gonna be gentle. I'm gonna be gentle. What you're saying is absurd. I haven't spoken to a single person in the industry that has echoed what you have said. I have talked specifically to two different people that were on contracts in in the industry and they said that it is terrible it's terrible look at the articles about it they're commonly promised that they might be brought on full time they're commonly promised that they might be folded in and and onboarded into into the uh, into the company they're constantly told that and if you're constantly told that well you're you're going to you're going to think that oh this is going to be great and then you're going to get let go your contract's going to expire it's a Microsoft corporate policy. They hit 18 months and they got to go. They don't want to pay them insurance. It's basically what it is. That's literally why the policy exists. If the project is unfinished, they could bargain for more money because Xbox cannot find another employee to quickly replace them. James, you, you, you are speaking. This is not an insult. You're speaking on this ignorantly. You're not informed. There is literal, There, this is a matter of public record, you can see it. They instituted a policy, they got sued for falsely categorizing employees. So they got sued, and they then put out a corporate policy that says no contract worker can exceed 18 months, because we don't want to pay them benefits. And when they're done after that 18 months, they can't come back and work on the project for six months. You're just speaking out of turn, homie. Like, I'm only doing this because you're here on a regular basis. If you were just some drive-by person, I'd be like, come on, dude, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm, 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 being, I'm being nice about this, but you're speaking way out of turn. And with that understanding in mind, don't you see, I'm a disgruntled Xbox guy. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You guys are out here considering spending hundreds of millions of dollars on getting a Star Wars game or an Assassin's Creed game on Game Pass. You're considering that, and you got 343 over here with half of its staff on contract. What the frick are you doing? You're, you're willing to spend the, the budget of a, of a mid-lane game on, on, a, on a Game Pass third-party game. What? Invest in 343! They're making Halo for crying out loud. What, what are you doing? The Bright Side with a gifted member. Thank you so much. Taking us to five. That's actually a layup. That puts us at 15. 
Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. That is a layup. That's an easy one. Puts it in at five. And there it is! The 10 from PWH Town. He was waiting, and he slams it home to 25. Who's going to be the agent of chaos? It's always a race. Who pushes us past the nice, easy 25 out of 25? We'll see who it is today. And P-Dub Town takes it himself. He slams the dunk home and he says, you know what? I'm going to be the agent of chaos. This man is unstoppable. He jumped in front of all of you. Incredible. Dragon Kate. Thank you so much, Dragon Kate, for or K8. Thanks so much for jumping back in. Xbox is toxic drama-fueled mess. Amazing generosity. I agree. I don't think I don't think it's like toxic-fueled drama. I'm. I, you don't think that's like a fair, you know, inquiry? Why Why aren't you investing in three four three? Why didn't you ensure they had enough staff? Half the staffs on contract. Why? Why is that the case? That's a first-party studio. It's not just a first-party studio. It's Halo. If if the next Uncharted came out, and it was terrible, and we learned that they didn't really invest in it, and we learned that like half the staff that worked on it was, was contract workers, I would be just as angry. I'd be like, what did you do that for? Why would you do that to your own IP? Why would you do that to your own property? It doesn't make any sense. If Nintendo did that, you'd be like, what's going on at Nintendo? Why would they do that to Mario? They do it to Halo. They do it to the studio behind Halo, and we're all like, yeah, well, you know, three, 343's fault, you know? 343. When's it a management problem? When's it inve- when, when is it an investment problem? When is it a business strategy problem? When? If, if, if any other... I didn't see your tweet, uh, Brooklyn Breed. My my Twitter is a, a train wreck usually during the day. I don't even check it. The, if if any other platform did this to their main piece of property, Mario, God of War, or Uncharted, or whatever, it, it, you do it to Halo, and it's like, yeah, well, you three four three three four three is just it's their fault. It's like, what are you talking about? Where's the management? Where's the investment? Where is it? It just it just hand waved away. It's oh well, you know, it's Halo. It had a good campaign. It's just hand waved, and then they get into 2022, and they're like, well, what are we gonna do? And and the, e- the email, the email read with just this. Listen, listen to the phrasing. Where is it? Game Pass. Spends more. Is this it? No, no, no. That's not the one I need. Game pass prices. Here we go. Here we go. I I just want you to look at this. Okay? I just want you to look at this first email. Can that get off of the screen, please? We've opened your PDF to the last red page. Okay. I had to, like, click. What are you doing? I just want you to read this. So this is in May of 2022. This is what led to all of this. This is what led to the 2022 showcase where they're like, here's the games you're going to get in the next 12 months, okay? Here's the games you're going to get in the next 12 months. 
And he says, with the news Starfield going to miss holiday, not broadly communicated yet, let's let Jamie manage that. So they haven't announced Starfield's delay yet. And says, still not a ton of clarity on the launch date of Redfall and Stalker 2 development, obviously war in Ukraine. This statement right here. What's going on? What's going on here? Still not a ton of clarity on the launch date of Redfall. This is Phil Spencer talking. You don't have... What do you mean? What do you what what does that sentence even mean? Yeah, we, we really don't even know when Redfall's coming out. What? You, a, ask them. <laughs> Pick up the phone, say, "Hey guys, how are you doing over there? Cool. When, when's when can when can Redfall ship?" Yeah, we we don't really have any clarity on when Redfall's coming out. It's just, we're just we're this is a disaster. What's what's happening? Where's the management? And you want them to have more studios? Like really? <laughs> like they can't even manage the studios they got. They can't even manage the studios they got. When did they discover that Halo Infinite was in a disastrous state? When was that like a surprise to them? He did message Zenimax in that email. Right, but read that sentence. We don't have clarity on Redfall's launch. It, it's May. What are you talking about? You're halfway through the year. Redfall was supposed to come out in 2022. Glad to see you back with the membership suede. He says the contractor model's awful for normal technical work. The attempt to attempt it for creative work is absurd. Microsoft needs to stop treating games like the rest of their software. Uh, what did Solemn say? I think all of this is under the assumption that Microsoft is even interested in putting out higher quality games like PlayStation. It seems to me like they are more interested in quantity of 7 to 8s instead. I don't disagree with you, Solemn. And that's the problem. You're bringing it all the way back around for me. All the way back around, full circle. Full circle. According to Phil Spencer's own logic, they need more users. They need more users on Game Pass off their own hardware. Do 7 and 8 out of 10 games that are that are launching at what feels like a cadence that's not sustainable, is that going to convert people? Are people going to buy into an ecosystem for games like Starfield that has like a 76% on Steam? Oh, yeah, you gotta be on Game Pass for that. No. That's quite literally what I'm... I've been been trying to drive at this. This is unsustainable. If you want to go get third-party games, you have to spend hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars. And guess what? You can get a lot of those games everywhere. Who's jumping into Game Pass for Jedi Survivor? Or... Assassin's Creed Mirage. The reason the subservice is plateaued is because the general consumer behavior is you're either, oh yeah, I, I, I like subservice, or no, I like to buy my games, and that dividing line has pretty much settled. That's why it's plateaued. The last two years of subservices have plateaued, not just in gaming, but across the board. Because there are people that are like, they're either going to shift around, right? We all do this, don't we? You're like, okay, I'm done watching this show. Cancel HBO. I'm going to go over here. 
like all of the sub services all of the sub services are are dealing with this this isn't unique to game pass i'm not picking on game pass for that reality what i'm saying is in light of that reality you're not going to convert people Game Pass doesn't have Jedi Survivor. I looked last night. No, 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 no. I wasn't saying that it did, Ryan. The email was considering Jedi Survivor. The email was like, oh, we should we should go after that game. And if we do... No, not we should. It was if we go after this game, this is how much we're going to have to spend. And that's my point is, if you want to get Jedi Survivor, they estimated that Jedi Survivor would have cost them a, a three hundred million dollars so if you want a title as big as jedi survivor you're writing a 300 million dollar check maybe they negotiate down to 250 250 million dollars to get jedi survivor and there is literally no way a title like that is going to cause a groundswell of conversion of people to game pass so they're getting hit from both ends. If you try to sustain third party, you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to put games on Game Pass. We now have a picture into what they spend per game when games are like kill the Justice League, two hundred fifty million dollars if they want to throw that on Game Pass. Okay, so you're you're spending all that on third party. Then if you're looking at their first party offering, well, what they want from their first party studios is a game at quality every quarter. And what Solemn is saying is, I think, is dead on. They are not focused on 11 out of 10 games or 10 out of 10 games. Phil Spencer said it himself. He basically told us beforehand that Starfield was going to be a mid-game. He's like, it doesn't matter if we launch an 11 out of 10. It's not going to move the needle. So what are their, what's their goal? Their goal is 7 and 8 out of 10 games. If we can crank out a steady flow of 7 and 8 out of 10 games, we'll have a funnel full of first-party titles. Guess what? That's not a compelling offer. You think you're going to get PC users to jump into Xbox Game Pass for for what? For games like Starfield? They just bought it on Steam. That's another barrier to Xbox's success. They're trying to crack into an ecosystem whose behavior, the economic behavior, the consumer behavior of the PC user is already set. <clears throat> You're trying to convince all those people that use Steam, come over here and spend 10 bucks a month, and you don't own your games. We didn't even talk about that. We didn't even talk about that. So Phil wants this chart. Do you see the PC line? You see the lime green line? He wants that to grow along with the blue line to be bigger than dark green by 2030. He wants the majority of their users to be off their hardware. That's a significant challenge because you're trying to convince Steam users to jump into an ecosystem where they don't own their games. Have you ever talked to a Steam user? Have you ever heard the way they talk about the Epic Game Store? Have you ever heard the way they talk about having one launcher? or they don't like other launchers, and you think they have an apprehension about installing another launcher, and you think you're going to win them to an ecosystem where they don't even own their games. Good luck. Good luck. Beyond that, you're trying to win people to your ecosystem that think that game preservation is achieved through piracy. Not all of them. Well, that's a growing sentiment in the PC crowd. Well, game preservation, all this DRM crap, all these games that we can't, you know, emulate anymore, or emulators that get shut down. 
So PC users love Steam. They love to have their library in one location. And a lot of them don't have really any qualms with stealing a game. And you're going to win them into a $10, $15 subscription funnel where they own nothing. I, I don't think so. Now, people in chat are like, you know, Dragon saying, oh, I like it. I use Steam. I like it. The lion's share of the Steam user base is what I'm talking about. If you're targeting the PC user base, that's a hard nut to crack. Ask the Epic Game Store how that's gone. A- ask Epic Game Store. Not profitable. They've been giving games away like crazy. PC gamers are not attached to Steam. Most don't even buy games on Steam. What did you just say? I think it's also the games when they launch compared to other games are around the same time. Rarely games have a month all to themselves. A lot of video game archives are actually console games that have been ported due to the proprietary nature of the cartridges and discs. No, no, and I'm all for that. I don't, I have nothing wrong with game preservation for, for games that are, you know, basically lost to the dark corners of time. Okay. But I'm talking about a mind frame. Yeah, I'm seeing reviews for Phantom Liberty are very strong. Nines and tens. That's incredible. It's a gameplay week, by the way. We're going to be playing Witchfire today. We played the first Descendant yesterday, and then, um, the, uh, what was it? Then tomorrow is, uh, Cyberpunk 2.1. Um, I need to turn on MSI Afterburner and see if we can get this game to open for later. So generally, I think people, I think a lot of times people misunderstand. I'm not coming at this from some angle of like Xbox bad, Game Pass bad, right? I'm trying to come at this from the angle of according to Phil's own expectations, according to Phil's own language, this isn't sustainable. This is destined for failure. Your your business plan is this frame but higher track with me now their business plan is this frame but higher in the next seven years they want to have these big upswings 100 million game pass subscribers they want 100 million they want a majority of that 100 million to be on cloud and pc okay you got a long way to go Repost because it applies to Game Pass sustainability. Hang on, Eugene. Eugene says, let's use Jedi Survivor. If they spend $300 million to get that game, that's an entire month of Game Pass revenue, and on top of that, they've lost a ton of 30% revenue shares on copies sold in their stores. The 30% revenue share is every platform's bread and butter, and they're foregoing it for subservice that costs ridiculous amounts to get to maintain the content. That's another piece of the unsustainability of it. Right? That's, like, that's another piece that's unsustainable about it is that you're basically putting yourself in a, in, a, in a scenario where you're saying, 
well, we got to spend the money to get the game. We got to spend, you know, $300 million if we want to get Jedi Survivor. When we do that, we're losing on the however many millions of people are like, well, I'll play it on Game Pass. I don't need to play it on, on, uh, I don't need to play it on, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't need to pay for it. So you forgo all those 30%. And what Eugene's saying is so important. The bread and butter of a lot of these platforms, all the money they make, they make so much money off that 30%. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, then you need to consider the fact that Apple, with their 30% cut on mobile games, they made more money than like every gaming company combined the one year. That's how much the 30% adds up. Like it's, it's, it's the bread and butter, okay? Now, if you consider that, and then you look at the fact that Microsoft's foregoing that on a big title. Now, they didn't do this with Jedi Survivor, but as a thought experiment, we're considering if they would have spent that $300 million, they're foregoing the 30%. Did you see the sales figures for Jedi Survivor? I was actually angry about the sales figures because it launched in such a bad state, and it sold like crazy, right? It sold like crazy. And from where I sat, I was irritated because I was like, they don't deserve to sell like crazy, Right? They, they don't deserve to sell like crazy. They should have <laughs> gotten taken to the cleaners for launching something that was, you know, not ready. That's, that, was, that was my take on it. And so if, if you're going to look at the situation and say, oh, no, 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 Game Pass is fine. Microsoft can just keep spending that money. You have to consider the fact that the financials of it, the economics of it is we're going to lose tons of money. We're going to lose tons of money. And the pushback is commonly, that's fine. That's fine. It's a loss lead. Now, a loss lead represents a strategy where you're willing to lose money because you'll make it up in other ways. This was a common practice um, when I worked at Best Buy. A brand new album would hit. I remember there was a, there was some big Backstreet Boys album that was launching. And they were selling it for like $6.99. So you could go to Best Buy and you could buy that album for $6.99. And I believe the per unit cost for Best Buy was higher than that. I think it was $8.99 or something. And so Best Buy's strategy was you're going to get this groundswell of little little teeny boppers and their parents are going to come into Best Buy to buy that album. We're going to lose money on that album. Because we can afford to lose $2 per album because they might buy another album. They might buy a pair of headphones. They might buy a CD player. They might buy something else, right? Dad's all of a sudden going to start seeing the big screen TVs in the back of the store, right? We might get them with accessories, whatever. Because if they can get you to buy like a pair of headphones or some cables or something, they're going to make, you know... 200% 200% profit on a, on, a, on a cable that costs them two cents and they're charging you $20 for it. So that's a loss lead where you say we'll lose with this. We lead with this. We lose with this and we'll make it back in other ways. So the issue with Game Pass you have to consider is if they're willing to lose that much money on a third party game, you have to ask the question, well, where are they going to make it up? Well, we'll make it up in volume. We'll eventually have so many Game Pass subscribers that that volume will start to tip the scales in our favor. We'll be making more money every month than we're spending for these third-party deals. Okay? 
well they've stagnated and and since they've stagnated you have to ask the question if they've stagnated is is that a sustainable choice anymore because now you're just loss leading and you're not making it back up you're just chilling you're just chilling at 25 million subscribers you're just chilling you're like yeah 25 million we're not we're not getting any more look at what they were willing to do in 2022 when things slowed down for them when things slowed down for them what were they doing they were literally shopping for game pass games they were like well let's shop for game pass games let's consider spending hundreds of millions of dollars And so, and so if, you, if you take that approach, I think that's the other question then is, okay, well, how then, how then do you create a system that converts people? So you're not converting people. Track with me here. You're not converting people. You've stagnated at 25 million. So you're not converting people. So the current offer is not converting people. And we know that a significant portion of the people that were converting... Right, we they were converting, and they were doing it for like a dollar or whatever, and that stopped. Okay, so that was getting people to convert. Super low entrance cost was getting people to convert. I think that's a great, you know, way to fill the funnel with people. Well, the question you have to ask now is, okay, what's the next phase for Game Pass then? How do you get from point A to point B? How does Phil Spencer get what he wants? How? Do, do you see a strategy, a plan? Do you see something from, from Xbox that tells you they're going to go from 25 million Game Pass subscribers to 100 million in the next seven years? I don't see it. I don't know what, what rabbit they're going to pull out of the hat, but I don't see it. Because their current strategy is a big first-party game at quality every quarter. And if this year is any indication of what we're going to get, there's concerns because you got all your first party developers wrestling with the Series S. So who knows what these games are even going to look like? Do you really think you're going to convert PC users if games keep coming out missing base level features? I mean, I know it got patched in later, but at launch, Starfield didn't even have an FOV slider. So, like, if you're going to have to basically focus on your main funnel of users is Series S and that's where you're having to kind of you know hobble every game to, to that first then your Series X and your PC users aren't going to be getting really a lot of attention you, that's another aspect of conversion it's like well how are you going to convince people on PC to convert to Game Pass with first party titles that are coming out every couple of months if they're, if they're not passing the smell test what about these 60 million users converting from Xbox Live Gold to Game Pass Core? Where, Who are these 60 million users? Isn't that like more than there are Xboxes in circulation? Like, what are you even talking about? 60 million Game Pass Core? The Game Pass Live number in 2022 was less than 12 million, Aerodimus. Where are you getting 60 million from? We, somebody found the number. It was 11.7 million Xbox Live Gold people. Uh, it was last year. It was like April or August of 2022. 60 million? What do you... Huh? Xbox 
Xbox Gold users are at 60? Where where are you getting that report? 60 million users, not subscribers? At best, 60 million is one in the Series S combined. Windows Central reported it. Windows Central reported that there were 60 million Xbox Live Gold subscribers that just suddenly... So all those people just got converted to Game Pass. 60 million. Wait. Hang on a minute. We gotta go to Google for this one. 60 million Xbox Gold... No, Live Gold. Sorry. Live Gold. Uh, Xbox Game Pass has 30 million. That got walked back. I'm seeing in 2021, Xbox Live had over 100 million monthly active users. According to Microsoft, this is from another article here, there are over 60 million monthly active users on Xbox Live. I feel like you're taking a stat and, and, and you're misrepresenting it. They're saying there's 60 million monthly active users on Xbox Live. Xbox Live gold numbers last year were like 11.7 million. It's not it's not 60 million. The Xbox Live gold users are the ones that got converted to Game Pass Core. There was maybe 12 million of them at most. Xbox Live users per month, they're including Minecraft. Like, that's where they're getting their month. Their monthly active. <laughs> Gosh, the MAU thing again. It's the MAU thing all over again. Monthly active users, monthly active users, they're counting Minecraft. So that has nothing to do with this discussion. We are talking about Game Pass's sustainability and how do you convert PC and cloud users to Game Pass when your offer is paying a bunch of money for third-party games already coming to market like Jedi Survivor or offering first-party games once a quarter and you hope they're at good quality. Yeah, I got it, Eugene. I got it. I read what you said. I read it out loud. Maybe just stream delay is getting you. Drufus was seven months. When was the last time Xbox put out a must-have game? If Xbox could deliver good AAA games every quarter, they could drive up growth for Game Pass, but they've shown they can't do that. I, Drufus, that's one, that's one of my primary concerns, is I'm looking at Fable, Avowed, and Hellblade 2, and I'm like, if these games come out noticeably, measurably hobbled because of, again, my estimation, because of the Series S... If that happens, that's not compelling. It isn't. And I think Hellblade 2 will function very similarly on Steam. Not in size, okay? Not in size. But I think it'll function in a similar way on Steam the way that Starfield did. I think more people on PC will just buy Hellblade in Steam than go to Xbox Game Pass on PC. You see what I'm saying? Hellblade's not going to hit the quantity of... Starfield, that's absurd. But I believe the behavior will be the same. The PC user base will in large part buy Hellblade on Steam. They're not they're not going to be like, oh, I've 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 gotta I've gotta go to, to Xbox Game Pass on PC to play Hellblade 2. They'll they'll just buy it on Steam. 
they'll be hobbled and not as good, but still get nines and tens because of hand-picked reviews. But Starfield didn't survive that. Starfield's real score became known. Remember when I said, st- remember when I said Starfield started at an eighty-six percent on Steam because there was an immediate swell of early access reviews. Twelve thousand people descended on that game's review score. It got an eighty-six. And remember when I said it was going to have a hard time holding on to eighty percent? You remember when I said that? It took a week and it dropped to seventy-six. Now listen to me, listen to me, really apply the logic. Starfield is apparently a must-have, award-winning, 10 out of 10, knocking down the door game. This is according to the fans, this is according to Xbox, and it's got a 76 on Steam. Do you really think, if that's the best of the best, if that's the cream of the crop, if that's the top shelf that Microsoft has to offer, do you think that's going to convert PC users to Game Pass? If that's your best, a 76. Salty Sony fans will bring any Xbox exclusive score down. Really? Did you check the Xbox store where you have to buy the game? Where it has a 72%? Are you sure about that? I checked almost the first 30 negative reviews I checked on Steam. They all had anywhere between 30 and over... Some of them had over 100 hours. And they were saying, I can't recommend this game. It wasn't a bunch of people that were were downvoting the game. Go, Go do your own research. Do your own research. Go to the Steam store and check. You skipped my milestone? I'm so sorry, Infinite. Hang on. Infinite with 15 months. You think Xbox had ever dropped day and date? Streams like HBO, for example, reverted to theatrical release and six months later into its service. Xbox needs to drop day and date. Thanks for 15 months, homie. Um, I don't think they need to drop day and date necessarily for their own titles. I think they need to foster early access for purchase. I've said that for a long time. I think what they should have done is they should have said anybody on Game Pass that buys Starfield can play it a week early. That's what I would have done. That's what I would have done. But go back to what I go back to what I was saying. If if Starfield is the is the king, I, I, had, I had people making fun of me because I was like, I don't think Starfield's a must-have. I don't. Look at some of the people singing its praises, playing less hours than me. Right? The one, one, of, one of those guys on Twitter, always taking chunks at me, like always always running to, to, to nonsense and lies from 2020 about me and videos and stuff because he's, 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 that's what he is, right? That's it. It's like bottom of the barrel, just scum. And I've played more than you. Like, but Star, but Starfield's amazing. Why are none of these guys out here playing it then? And if Starfield is it, if Starfield is the best Xbox can offer, it's got a seventy-six on Steam. What's that gonna do to Phil Spencer's plan? What? What's it gonna do? Phil, Phil Spencer wants this chart to be blown out. He he thought he doesn't even think this chart's good enough. He wants more people on PC and cloud than they have on their own hardware. 
and your flagship, the best you've got to offer is sitting at a 76 on Steam. Do you really think his the plan's viable? Do you really think a big first-party game at quality every quarter is viable? You think that's going to convert people to Game Pass on, on PC? Do you? Marvel Spider-Man 2 has gone gold. <laughs> save us Spidey. <laughs> Freaking save us Spidey. 30 days before release. I think Ragnarok was three weeks. Like that, like Star- Phil said that Starfield's not going to be 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10. He's right. Like, that's just the question that I have. That's the question I have. Can anybody answer that question? If, if you're going to these Xbox podcasts and you're watching them or you're going to their feeds, I don't pay any attention to them, okay? I don't I don't pay attention to smear merchants and liars and, and people that are basically just like corporate mouthpieces. I don't pay any attention to these people because I don't think they're worth it. I don't think they deserve the platforms that they have. But if that's something you feel like doing and you're watching them, and you're hanging out in their circles, and you're following them on Twitter, just ask them that question. According to Phil, Game Pass users need to be a majority off Xbox by 2030. How are we going to achieve that if the front line, if the flagship title, if Starfield is a 76 on Steam, if this is the best Xbox has to offer... How is that going to convert PC people to Game Pass? Because if that doesn't happen, according to Phil, you're shutting down. These are fair questions. I'm, I'm using Phil's own language, Phil's own strategy, Phil's own business forecast of we've got to get more users on cloud and PC. How are you doing that if Steam scores of your flagship title are 76? That's not going to move people to Game Pass. It isn't. You're fighting a losing battle anyway. You're fighting an economic reality, a consumer base that's already beholden to Steam, and they prefer to buy games and keep games and own games. They don't like DRM. They're happy to pirate a game just to preserve it. And you think they're going to subscribe to your service so that they can not own the games in the funnel when they're 76 scores on Steam? Like... You can hand wave and you can dismiss me as an Xbox hater, right? You can say, all this guy does is talk about Xbox. I did a live stream and an upload all week last week. I never mentioned Xbox. I never mentioned Starfield. We completely pivoted away from all that because I was tired. I was tired. I was sick of talking about it. And then these leaks happen. I'm like, all right, here we go. So you can dismiss everything I'm saying. Like, you're just a, you're just a hater. You, you just hate on Xbox. You're not answering my questions. You have, con- you have confidence in Xbox. You're a big-time Xbox fan. You have a YouTube channel, a podcast, a Twitter account, an avatar where you're going like this. If you've got that confidence in Xbox, then tell me how do they bridge this gap that Phil says they need to bridge? How do they do it? How do you convert people on PC to Game Pass? How do you get to 100 million Game Pass subscribers when you're at 25 million and you're supposed to be, according to your own projections, you're supposed to be at about 40 to 50 million Game Pass subscribers right now? How are you going to convert those people when your biggest launch of the year, your biggest game, your biggest flagship, Starfield, has a 76% on Steam? How? Where's where's the conversion going to come from? 
Let's say that 100 million Game Pass subscribers is possible. Let's say that it's possible. He wants the majority of those people, he wants them to be off the hardware. So let's say you know, 55 million need to be on PC or cloud Game Pass. Where are those 55 million people coming from? Where? This was the projection. You see the blue line and the green line? That's the projection. They're not very large. And we don't even know. This is a projection, by the way. This isn't actually where they were. This is where they wanted to go. Oh, I'll I'll keep an eye out, uh, creature. I don't, I'll keep an eye out. I'm not sure who you're who they're talking about. We need to, we would need a screenshot. Where's Tlu factions? What does that have to do with the discussion, bro? Where are the 45 million coming from on their own hardware? Right, they need they need 45 million on their own hardware. That means they need another 20 million on Xbox. I mean, that's a fair question. How are you going to get to 45 million Game Pass subscribers on Xbox when your current projections for market saturation of your own hardware is going to make that really, really tough? Not even PlayStation 5 is at 45 million yet. How can Xbox get there? Well, I mean, I don't think PS Plus, I, I'll be honest, I've been pretty critical of PS Plus. I don't think it's offered very well. I don't think the value on the... I think part of the problem with PS Plus is the OS. I think PlayStation's operating system's ugly. I, I don't think it's easy to navigate. I think it's clumsy. It's bloated. Every time I go to PS Plus, I'm like, where, where's the value? It's too much. It's like... I think Game Pass is structured so, so much better on the Xbox console. I love the Xbox operating system. I love it. If I could push a button and have that layout and operating system on my PlayStation, I would. It's just so much more straightforward. There's so much redundancy baked into the PlayStation operating system, and I think that redundancy plays a part in the value transmission of PS Plus. I don't think people can see what they're getting. They're like, what is this? It's, cl- it's clunky. It's clumsy. I don't like it at all. And then there's also, they're lowering the annual discount. So you, you're saving less money when you subscribe annually. Like, PS Plus Premium? Like, what the frick? You actually think it's worth that much money? No. I grabbed one more year at the, what is it, 10 bucks a year? And then after that, I'll drop down. I don't think it's worth it. But I also don't think PlayStation's resting the heart and soul of the PlayStation platform on their subservice. Their subservice is additive. Jim D with five months in a VIP. Keep it up. Thank you. Why would I care? I've got more games than I can play. I buy and sub. If sub model doesn't work, I'll buy. I certainly would never spend 70 for 17 hours though. All right, kill you. I'll take that action. It's not a matter of if the sub model doesn't work and they'll just get rid of it. The, 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 point, that, uh, the point that people I think might be missing here is if the Game Pass sub model doesn't work, According to Phil, they're leaving the business. And there's PlayStation becoming complacent, the price increase. How is a price increase complacency? So Game Pass is, then Xbox is is complacent. 
Every subservice is complacent. They all do the same thing. They all raise the price. PlayStation didn't raise the price. They lowered the discount on the annual. The per month is staying the same. The per month is staying the same. They were like, if you want to pay per month, go ahead. If you want to buy annually, you save this much money. And now they're like, well, you're not going to save as much money. Why? Well, because they're trying to squeeze more money out of their loyal base. Same as anybody with a subservice when it plateaus. They all do the same thing. As soon as you plateau, you raise the price. Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Game Pass, they all did it. It's not a sign of complacency. It's a business strategy. They've all done it. But when Sony does it, it's evidence of complacency? Yeah, like, walking back an annual discount's not complacency, it's business strategy. It's, well, our most loyal, you know, subscribers are picking annual, we'll make more money off of them. That's always a strategy. It's showing smug with complacency? I I don't see it that way because they're all doing it. So it costs more? The difference is Game Pass and Netflix and Disney said the per month subscription cost is going up. Sony didn't say that. Sony said, we're giving you a discount on the annual bundle. That annual bundle discount is not as extreme. So the price for your annual bundle is going up. The per month cost is not going up. It's a, it's a different way of doing it. And the reason they're doing it that way is, is because they set the per month cost and then they're like, hey, buy a whole year at this cost. You've seen that before, right? You go to sub to something and they're like, yep, here we go. You can buy a whole year and you save money. And you're like, sweet. And now they're like, we're not going to let you save as much. Why? Well, they, they're trying to make more money from their subservice because it's plateaued. Just like Disney Plus and just like Netflix and just like Game Pass. Exactly. They all show smug. You're assigning emotion to a business decision, which I commonly find that to be a foolish thing to do. The the, the teams that make these decisions are not like, yeah, yes, yeah, let's take more money from them. <laughs> they all have monocles. There's no smugness. They're just like, this is the standard practice. We've hit saturations. Market research is pointing to the fact that this is generally where we're going to be for the next foreseeable 24 months. Now it's time to raise the price. There's no smugness. It's 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 literally just standard business practice. Xbox, Netflix, Disney Plus, Sony, they're not sitting around some table sipping like tea and petting cats like <laughs> yeah. It's literally just standard business practice. <clears throat> This goes back to all of the all the ABK debates where it's like assigning emotion to businesses that are like that's going to hurt our business and our bottom line. Look at him crying. Yeah, CEOs of multi-billion dollar corporations are are crying. <laughs> people do it to Phil, people do it to Jim. It's just silly. It's like there's no no, there's no, there's no emotions here. They're shrewd businessmen. <laughs> they are, they are shrewd. There, there's no emotion involved at all. You want to know why I know there's no emotion involved? Because if there was, then there'd be like empathy and compassion and concern. There'd be some humanity. There's no emotion involved. They don't care. They will cut your throat, bro. <laughs> they don't care 
at that level, they're like, we're going to do whatever it takes. We do whatever it takes. We got to grow profit. We got we got we got to grow our profit. We got to keep those shareholders happy. That's all that matters. <laughs> there's there's no emotion in it at all. The projection could change if people start voting with their wallets instead of caving. I'll start. Hopefully next year people will start waking up. Jim, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think PlayStation is going to cave on their price change because they don't need PS Plus. PS Plus is additive. It's like an accessory. Does that make sense? So think of it this way. If the PlayStation Portal, if it doesn't sell very well, they're not going to be like, oh, no, what are we going to do? What are they going to say? Okay, lower production in response to demand. It's an accessory. It's additive. It's not. It's not a central. It's nothing. It's not a centrality to our identity. So, Gillup says his Cyberpunk review will be live next week. CD Projekt Red have yet again restricted review footage to provided B-roll only. We are not allowed to use our captured gameplay until next week. No publisher or developer should ever impose that restriction in a, in a review. It's BS. I, I agree with Skillup. I don't like that. Then you go and watch three or four different reviews and they're all showing the same B-roll. It's like, I don't, I'm not even getting, I'm not, I'm not getting a, at, at all an impression of the game here. I think that's fine for previews because previews are usually like months before and you don't want rough old old version footage out in the wild. I think I think that makes perfectly good sense to be like, hey, we're going to let you preview an hour of our game and you don't let them use the footage because it's usually a rougher version of the game. It's a vertical slice. But when you hand people the game a couple of weeks before launch and you're like, no, you can't use your own gameplay. I'm like, what? Why not? What you're going to make them use B-roll? The dadgum content's coming out in 2 weeks. What what are you hiding? And it's remarkable because all the reviews for Phantom Liberty are 9s and 10s, so it's like I don't know what you're trying to hide. On the contrary, I think they do need it to support their games as service strategy. No, I don't agree with that at all, Broken. Broken Lobo, back with me. The most successful games of service? What are they? Come on, you know the answer. We all know the answer. A lot of the most successful games of service are free to play. You don't need a subscription service for games as a service. If anything, you don't want it to be on the subscription service. If you want a successful live service game, you want a wide open funnel. You don't want to be like, yeah, if you want to play this, you got to be on the sub service. Now, you might have been talking to somebody else. But my understanding of what you were saying is they need a successful subservice to support games as a service. Putting a putting a, a game as a service on a subservice would be a terrible, terrible move. Their PS Plus saturation is significantly smaller than all of the people on PlayStation and PC that could potentially play a multi-platform, cross-platform live service game when it launches. Don't you need PS Plus for cloud saves and play online? The lowest tier you need for the online. Do you need it for cloud saves? I forget. I think you do. But again, that's 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 different though, Aerodimus, because you're gonna the free to play games, they don't apply to that, do they not? Didn't they make that change? 
We're also talking about the highest tiers because that's where the price went up the most. Didn't uh, didn't they walk that back on free to play games? You don't need PS Plus for free to play games. Yeah, that's exactly my point. If you want to have a successful live service game, you make it free to play, and therefore you get around the subservice requirements, and you have the biggest funnel of players. If if soon as you try to launch a live service game, if you're going to be like, yeah, you need to be on our subservice for it, you need to be on PS Plus, people are going to say, frick no. You, you're, you're counting out so many users when you do that. You need it for cloud saves. Well, you don't need cloud save for a for a live service game. I didn't say free to play. Well, you were responding to me saying that most of the most successful live service games are free to play. I was pushing back on what Lobo was saying. I was saying if you're going to launch a game as a service, I'm assuming you're going to you're going to make it free. I mean, I'm be real. If you try to launch a game as a service in 2023 and beyond, and if it's not free, good luck. Unless you have the market grab of Diablo, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. You won't, because people will say, well, wait, I don't understand. It's an ongoing game? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a live service game? Yeah. Well, why does it cost money? They're going to look at Fortnite. They're going to look at everything, every single battle royale that's out there. They're going to look at other games, like Destiny is free to play, and then you can buy all the extra stuff, the seasons. The First Descendant just did its beta. It's going to be a free-to-play game. I don't think you can launch a game as a service and charge money anymore. I don't, unless you have the market reach and the demand of a, of a, of a brand like Diablo. Grounds Live Service is doing pretty good, so is Sea of Thieves. What what info do you have to say that Sea of Thieves is doing good? It, the, the player base numbers have never been particularly strong for that. Grounded's in a good spot, but I don't know about the player numbers. There's no way to track the player numbers of those games. And neither of them do... I don't think Ground is in Steam. See if these doesn't do particularly well on Steam charts. And I know you're going to say, well, most people play on the Xbox. I, I don't think it ever tops their charts. You need Xbox Live Gold to play non-free-to-play multiplayer games. What's the point? Yeah, we were talking about... Lobo was saying the, the subservice needs to be successful if they want their games as a service efforts to be successful. That was what I was pushing back on. Those sites cannot be trusted. Parasito, come on. Th- that's what I was pushing back on. I was saying, now hang on a minute. No, they don't. They don't need PS Plus to be super successful because games as a service can launch free to play and completely subvert needing PS Plus. It's most played month after month. <clears throat> see if these is most played month after month. All right, let's see where it lands. I'm looking. See if these is way down, brother. I mean. We're talking way down. Hang on. I'm on the wrong cap card. Okay. That's your most played games on Xbox. Starfield actually holding really strong above Call of Duty. That's him. That's actually really impressive. 
that's good. This is this is this is <laughs> this is needed for for Starfield. But um, so we got lines of five. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine lives of five. Forty sixth place. Sea of Thieves is below games like Fallout Four, Call of the Wild, The Angler. Mortal Kombat 11, Skyrim, Farming Sim. It's down lower than Halo Infinite. It's down lower than For Honor. This is an ancient game at this point. What do you mean Sea of Thieves is topping every month? See if the I'm telling you, I don't think Sea of Thieves has ever been in a very dominant position. I don't think it ever has. And that's the thing that I, 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 I have such a, a love-hate relationship with that game. I think Sea of Thieves is unmatched in so many categories, and they just won't let me play PvE. <laughs> it is the sound design, the waves, the sailing, the music. Every time I get back in Sea of Thieves and I set out on the, on, on the, on the ocean, I'm like, this is spectacular. This right here, I think, is, man, what an opportunity for Microsoft to leverage a a beautiful first-party piece of property, a a sequel properly funded and next-gen and beautiful and built and just just really, really blow the doors off. And we're talking about Rare here. Rare's got good, they got good talent. And instead, they, they just keep cranking out seasons. And they've never innovated on the design of the game. It's like, no, it's just PvP. And people are like, well, I would play if I if, if I didn't have to worry about PvP. I just I feel like Sea of Thieves is it's such an interesting piece of property. It's such an interesting piece of property. It's like, why are you not doing more with this? It's an absolutely beautiful game. I think the engine's wonderful. The water, the waves, the ocean, the, the wind. It's it's I really, really do like Sea of Thieves, but then I go to play it and it's like you get sunk a couple of times by some PvP guy, and it's like, ah, I'm not doing this. I don't, I don't care. Everwild, where is that? We have no idea where Everwild is. They lost their creative director. Microsoft. Oh, Rare has good talent, and then Microsoft bought them. Yeah, I don't know how many people have left, but we do know Everwild lost their creative director, which is a concern. I did some gameplay footage recording of CFDs on PC and it looks really good. It really is a gorgeous game. Imagine that game really boosted up with next gen graphics. Like you don't have to you don't have to necessarily uh, change the art style, but grounded never broke top fifty. Right? Can we go? Can we? Let, let's go here. We haven't we haven't talked about this enough. We have not talked about this enough. I hammered away on this in my monologue and we've been off on all these other different subjects. What did you guys think about Phil Spencer literally saying to the question of how how do you measure the worth of a studio in relation to Game Pass? And here's his answer. The truth is to your answer of how to measure worth is we don't know. We don't know. 
So, so how do you know if Starfield, Bethesda, how do you know if any of these endeavors with these first party studios, how do you know if, if, if grounded, if it, what about Sea of Thieves? What about Rare? What about the teams behind those games? What, how do you measure their worth and value in relation to Game Pass? Because Phil's like, I don't know. We don't have an Excel spreadsheet for that. And 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 then this guy's response, Dean's response is, well, okay, it's my turn now to say I don't know. He doesn't know what all goes into closing studios. Because that's part of the concern is, well, are we going to close studios if they're not impacting Game Pass enough? And the second paragraph, he says, in my mind, if a studio completely needs to prove their worth by being net value over their costs, it adds a ton of pressure to release hits on a regular basis. If a game is niche, too bad. So he he's saying what many of us said for a very long time is it's like, you're not an Xbox studio or developer. You're a Game Pass developer. Your job is to fill the Game Pass funnel. Earlier in that same email chain, Phil is saying, we need content because content drives engagement. And the more engagement we get, the more valuable content becomes. What he's saying is, the more we give content, the more engagement we get. But the more engagement we get, the more we need content. It's like this seesaw of like, you fill the thing with engagement, and then you need all the content. I am so sorry. Ink Sanity, are you here? I did not read your your, res- your resub. Ink Sanity says, much appreciation for all you do. Thank you for 25 months, Ink Sanity. So, and, and the title of the email is basically, do I have it in the shot? The title of the email is Game Pass Relative to Studios. This is from an engineer, an an architect at the company who's been there for over 25 years. And he's like, how do you measure the worth and the value of a studio in relation to Game Pass? And Phil's like, I don't really know. And the guy's like, well, if that's their role is, is, as far as like, if their value is measured by worth versus cost, man, they've really got to crank out hits on a regular basis. I think Phil wants to keep pressure off studios to allow creativity. How does that square with one game every quarter at Quality, Mackie? He says that to the public. You're not wrong. He says that to the public. How do you square that with, we need one big game every quarter at Quality? I don't, I don't think those two, I think those things are mutually exclusive. I think we're starting to see why there's been a steady flow of creative directors leaving Xbox-owned studios. And just like clockwork, Disney says, we want a new Star Wars game every six months. And what happens? Jedi Survivor comes out, and it's a freaking mess. And who did I blame? I blamed Disney. I said, the minute you establish cadence over quality, games will suffer. And guess what happened in the wake of Jedi Survivor's launch? Director leaves. Gee, I wonder why. It's almost like when you make corporate cadence-driven decisions versus quality and value-laden decisions, you're going to lose your people. You're going to lose your talent. The, the guy behind Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor just walked. 
and you know they're doing a third game, and this guy walks, why do you think that is? I guarantee you the timeline for the third Jedi game is completely unreasonable. I guarantee you it's unreasonable. And he's like, I'm not doing this again. You already made me launch Jedi Survivor before it was ready, and we had to buckle down for four months to fix the most glaring issues. I'm not doing this again. We got an amazing IP. We got amazing story. I'm not doing this again. I'm out of here. Yeah, Stig's gone, Danny. Stig's gone. He left. Don't don't you see it's it's everything it's everything I've been talking about and screaming about. It's like you can't square that corporate one-size-fits-all strategy and mindset with creative. It doesn't work. He went back to Sony Santa Monica. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Go where studios are being invested in and growing and getting more employees and get out underneath the corporate nonsense of Disney. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ABK guys, a lot of Activision Blizzard guys went to Sony. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder what's going on. Thank you, Kurahi, for renewing your membership. I appreciate that so much. And 16 months from Cody Biscuits. Thank you so much for putting out consistent hard work into the gaming coverage for us. Couldn't be more proud to be a member here. Thank you. Dubair says, you can't measure influence or whether a game got you a subscription. You can measure downloads or playtime. So you have to have some subsidy based on those measures, uh, which creates its own issues. Dig's gone. Sony get on it. Project Darkside back in action. He's on the next God of War game, apparently. I cannot imagine walking away from a from a slam dunk trilogy of Star Wars. I can't imagine doing that. Like, unless Santa Monica made a compelling offer, I think he walked away because, like I said, it's Disney. Leave a corporate model for a corporate model? What are you talking about? Do you get the impression at all that Sony Santa Monica is operating under that nonsense? Look at Ragnarok. Look at it. Look at it. They delayed it pretty significantly from its original its original speculated launch window. And look how it launched. Great. Universal praise. Amazing scores. No glaring problems, no evidence of a rushed game, no evidence of crunch culture, no evidence of some corporate machine that was like, you better have this title ready. So you you see Disney saying, new Star Wars game every six months, Jedi Survivor comes out and is in terrible shape. They buckle down, fix the most glaring issues, and on the heels of that, the director walks. He's, I'm out of here. Why? It could be related to two things. They're trying to bring the game to old gen, and he's probably like, this is a terrible idea. You're just grabbing... This is just a money grab. It's going to run like garbage. Where There's no way we can get this game to look or run well on that system. And then the other thing that might be tying into it is, all right, here's your timeline for the third game. And he's like, there's no freaking way we're doing that. And then look at Xbox. 
and look at the long line of directors and creative directors that have left. Do we need to talk about Perfect Dark? Do we? Creative director left. Director left. Half the staff left. Everwild's creative director left. 343 went through a handful of creative directors. A creative director and some of the people from turn... uh, No, not turn 10. Playground left. You... Don't you... You don't see a consistent theme here? Sony had a space adventure in production. It was Stig's baby. It was called Project Darkseid. I mean, maybe he'll get to pick it up back up again after God of War. I don't know. <clears throat> the thing speaks for itself. There's something going on. That's always what I've been trying to drive at. That's always what I've been trying to drive at. And I just think, I think... I think, again, the opening monologue, I made economic, I made financial, I made even even strategy, you know, criticisms and predictions about the, the nature of Game Pass and what they're trying to do, both what they're saying internally, both what they've said even publicly according to, like, FTC hearing. Like, it isn't sustainable. It, there's no way. According to, Phil, according to Phil's own logic, according to Phil's own measurement, nah, no way. This, this game ain't making I'm sorry not this game this, this 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 structure this strategy ain't making it it isn't all right I gotta set up I really 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 have been wanting to check out witchfire and witchfire is in early access today on epic game store which I know is probably a sticking point. For you, uh, for all you Steam homies out there, I'm not a huge fan of a game like this going uh, early access in one store, but it likely helped fund their project and their game. They're a smaller studio, so I can't really fault them for uh, taking a probably taking a decent sized check from from Epic. Uh, I'm gonna set that up, and we're gonna go to that probably I don't know in you know, 20 minutes or so. Okay. Do that and do that and do that. There we go. What kind of game is that? Witchfire is the one that looks like it kind of has the shooting the shooting mechanics and, and, and tightness and crispness of um Destiny. And it's a rogue. And it's a rogue with like open zones. They have like a very different approach to it. So I'm I'm really excited to uh, to take a crack. Um, and then tomorrow we'll be jumping into Cyberpunk 2.1 for the afternoon show. This week you guys are getting a lot of gameplay. We did First Ascendant yesterday, and then we did um, we did. Oh, that was yesterday. Yeah, first ascent yesterday. Today we're doing Witchfire, and then tomorrow we'll do Phantom Liberty. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Not Phantom Liberty. Cyberpunk 2.1. So, is it an Unreal game? I uh, I believe so. <laughs> uh, that's a receipt. That's that. Uh, that. that. Okay. I was just clearing out some emails. And thank you to everybody who hit subscribe today. 
A lot of new subscribers. Uh, right now, I owe you five minutes. Why did I bump that to 75? I'm. That's not what that's supposed to be. That's supposed to be that. I'm stupid. 26 out of 50. Anyway, uh, every 25, I give five, and I already owe you guys five members. I will do that in the uh, in the second segment where we're playing the game. I do that to give you the highest amount of chances to uh, to push that number. And we got two coffee orders. We got one from yesterday, and then we got one from Zuby. Thank you guys so much for ordering the coffee. The light roast is going to be leaving leaving the uh, the company and headed my way in a couple of days here. So hopefully sometime next week I've got that available for order. I'm sorry, not 2.1, 2.0. I, I apologize. It's there's I'm having I'm I'm like saying 18 different things. Tomorrow we will be ta- pay, playing Cyberpunk 2.0. 2.1. Yeah, I've got an extra I've got the extra patch. My patch is a little bit better. Um Got HDMI spec on the brain. Yeah, sorry. Cyberpunk 2.0 goes live tomorrow. Oh, gosh. It's okay. Yeah, that's the goal. Guys, do me a favor. We have had a huge, huge day. Understandably, anytime I'm I'm critical of Xbox, we get a pretty big turnout of uh, hate watchers and I you know I think over time maybe some of them have, have decided that this is actually uh, an enjoyable show even if they don't agree with me I welcome you to smash the like button it helps out the video consider becoming a member uh, or gift some members and we did add a new segment now we're not going to do a standard member stream today because of gameplay so you always get two streams if you're a member you, you typically get the morning show and then I'll do like an upload and then we debrief after the upload but when my second stream is gameplay, I can't do a member stream. It eats up too much time. But we're ending every day with the writer's room. And the writer's room is planning the next day's show, outlining the monologue, choosing what the upload will be, or if we're going to be doing gameplay. And you need to be a member plus or higher if you want to come to the writer's room. So if you've been gifted a member, you can upgrade for a dollar. If you're currently at the standard $5 membership, it's literally a $6 membership. It's one more buck, but it pulls you out of that pool and then you won't get gifted members anymore. And that's just something that we're kind of offering to kind of get folks to consider converting and picking up their own membership. You can use the upgrade command in chat if you want to do it. If you can't do it, that's fine. I'm not taking content away from you. This is a brand new segment that we're launching where you can listen to me and my producer plan out the uh, the, the next day. If you play First Ascendant for about four or five hours straight with reasonably optimized grinding and a friend or two, you can hit level 20 without many road bumps. First Colossus Intercept is only level 10. It's actually a part of the story progression. I'm almost level 30, almost done with a story uh, for beta, and max is 40. I think the concern would be is they're going to use the, the progression in the beta to figure out how to tweak things to maximize sales. That would be my concern. Right? That would be my concern, is that if you're going to monetize a game like that around currencies and grind, they're going to tweak it to a sweet spot where they make money. And I just, I think that's the, that's that's a primary concern is I really liked First Ascent and I thought it was really fun, but until we get a glimpse at the monetization and what it looks like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. It's very, very easy to squeeze just the right progression paths and currency earn rates. You squeeze them just right and then you're going to get people motivated to spend money. 
games like that will pit your investment against you. You're like, well, I finally made it into the 20s. I put a lot of time into this game, and now everything's slowing down, right? Now everything is 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 taking forever, and now I feel like I need to spend money. I call that the art of the squeeze. It's like a bottle and a bottleneck. Everything's great, everything's great, everything's great, everything's good, and then they squeeze you, and you're like, and then sunk cost fallacy hits. You're like, I, and you feel that pull to spend money. Story and maps are decently different from the last beta, and the beta only hits 40% of the world map because based on what it currently shows. I hope that they do not do anything that I'm talking about, Parasito. I really do, because it's a game that I would like to enjoy. You know, I've been kind of looking for the grinded out looter shooter. If it's regularly updated, you know, we could talk about it and make content and, you know, all the rest. So that that's always that's always a concern with games like that. I, and I think that's a valid concern. I'm not saying the game is be it's going to do that. And it's going to be bad. But it's like there's a lot of currency. There's a lot of crafting. There's a lot of grinding. Those are all really great opportunities to squeeze the player's ability to advance and then put a price ticket on it. Um, touch on Barlog. I was 10 minutes behind. I think he almost left the industry after God of War. The tone of his tweets were morose for the time. No crunch at Santa Monica. He wouldn't allow it. First Descendant would be sooner or later become a microtransaction heavy game. Aesthetically beautiful in design and gameplay is good, but a free-to-play game with in-app purchases is a huge no. Well, I think a free-to-play game that only charges for vanity items is a great model and it doesn't bother me. If they're charging for a premium battle pass that is constantly keeping a flow of seasonal content and new things to do, and they want to charge for vanity items, I don't give a frick about that. I don't care about that. It's when they start to, if the monetization starts to infect the game flow, if my game flow rhythm and sense of ability to progress and level up is halted, stunted, slowed, so you can you can get me to buy currency, no, 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 nope miss me with that i'm not playing your game there's a huge difference between saying hey you want to look cool hey you want more stuff on your battle pass well we're feeding the game new content every season and if you want you can pay for the premium battle pass if you want to buy this cool cape or this cool armor set none of that bothers me if the game is getting a heavy flow of content but when the monetization infects the content loop we're, we're talking about a different animal all together Different animal altogether. Have they ever fairly monetized a free-to-play game? Well, no, but the thought process is Lost Ark came to the West and westernized a lot of their stuff. And my thought would be if you come to the Western market and you westernize your monetization, you're primarily going to be doing vanity items. Primarily. Now, Genshin and the sports games sadly have laid groundwork for other monetization practices that are not so good. How does Insomniac manage to keep churning some of the great uh, out-quality games without crunch at a regular pace? Proprietary engine, I think, wins them a ton of efficiency. I think, I think their proprietary engine wins them a ton of efficiency. I think... There's there's just some secret sauce in there and they know how to navigate it. It would be like asking 
how is Epic able to just constantly churn out big updates and big huge things in Fortnite? Well, it's their own engine and it's their own game. So when that when those two things coalesce, you you have a recipe for efficiency and speed. Right? You, that's a recipe for efficiency and speed when when it's like, well, this is our engine and it's our game. The games intrinsically linked to the engine, our efficiency, our our are basically uh, what's it what's it called? The guy that said that about Baldur's Gate three, the decades of what did he call it? It wasn't industry knowledge. It was oh shoot! I loved the term and I can't remember the term that he said. No, it wasn't synergy. Such a pony. I I mean I don't know if praising I don't know if praising you know Insomniac makes me a pony. I would say that recognizing a company that does great things, you know, also recognizing that your account's a month old. Institutional, that's what it was. Institutional knowledge. The institutional knowledge that you gain when it's your engine, you know, Epic's institutional knowledge for for Unreal. Insomniac's institutional knowledge with their proprietary engine. That, That gains you so much. So much. I think that I think that's to their credit. I think that's one of the reasons they hit where they hit as consistently as they do. Insomniac's and Insomniac's in engine, they iterate. I'm so amazed by what they put out. They checked the PS5 code three years into this gen. For contrast, Naughty Dog cracked the code at the end of PS4 gen. Result, UC4. Right. <clears throat> It also helps when half your staff's not walking out the door every every 18 months. You don't lose the institutional knowledge. Like, seriously, seriously, contrast those two realities. Don't even, don't even go to Insomniac. Don't even, don't even make it a Sony versus Xbox issue. Contrast Baldur's Gate 3 to Halo Infinite. They're very different games. I'm not talking about the games. I'm talking about the developers. The institutional knowledge that they were able to bring to bear on Baldur's Gate 3 and then the institutional knowledge loss when 343 has half of their staff on contract and every 18 months they're walking out the door. There's no such thing as institutional knowledge. There's no reservoir of shared vision and knowledge anymore. It's who are you? Oh, that's right. We just hired a bunch of new folks. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you know, welcome to whatever department you're in. And this is this is our flow. This is our work process. This is how you have to interact with the engine itself, because we don't have a, an industry standard engine. We have this engine, so we got to onboard you into the tools and the engine itself into our workflow, right? And then you spend months doing that, and you know, a year later they're gone. Eugene says, because they're staffed, funded, and managed appropriately, when people like where they work, they're more productive. Yeah, I think that's also a part of it. That's also a part of it. Do you think that people were enjoying working on Halo Infinite? Watching their coworkers leave every 18 months? What do you think that does to morale? Have you ever had a job, and when your favorite buddy's not there, the shift feels twice as long? Have you ever had a job where 
certain days you blink and it's time to go home because you were working with your pal. You're working with your buddy. I remember when I worked in the mall, I was uh, AT&T. We were in the back. We were in the back part of the mall and the, tra- the foot traffic was terrible and it was really, really hard to make commission. It was, a, it was just a mind-numbing job. I loved it because I loved who I worked with. We had fun games we would play. We had amazing conversations. We would like listen to music. We would bring in speakers and like share music with each other. Like I was introducing him to explosions in the sky. We discovered this this band called Caspian together. Also an amazing prog rock instrumental band. So I have those memories. And then I went to a store where I made more money and the commission was better and the foot traffic was better. I didn't really know anybody and there was all this pressure to sell and it was miserable and they wanted us to sell home services and I was making, I would say, almost twice as much money and I wanted to quit almost every single day. And so my productivity went down, my numbers went down, my conversions and my sales, all of it went down because I was like, this is awful. I freaking hate working here. And so... All of that's going to have a factor on your on your morale. So, like, I can't imagine working on a project the, the, the size and the scope of a video game, and in the trenches and in the cube, in, you know, in the cubicle trenches of, of the world, and being like, yeah, every eighteen months, the, the people that I kind of you know eat lunch with, hang out with, develop camaraderie with, shared vision with, you know, that that guy was really really good. We could tag team projects and we could really slam them out. Yeah, he's gone. I just I don't I don't think you can understate the impact that's that's had on their projects. And so if if Microsoft is unwilling to change those philosophies and those those outlooks, I can't help as somebody that knows all that. I can't help but look at that and say, you're willing to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on a game from another company to throw on Game Pass, but you're not willing to pay for benefits. You're not willing to have 343 at a more stable, more more full-time status of employers. I'm sorry, employees. You're not willing to do that. You don't want to pay for their benefits. They're walking out the door every 18 months, and when you get into a content hole, you're like, well, let's just let's consider spending hundreds of millions of dollars on games to put on Game Pass. What are y'all doing? And here's the real problem with it. The hundreds of millions that they spend on Game Pass, third-party games for Game Pass, it doesn't net the industry anything. It doesn't net the industry anything. Those games are already coming to the market. That is such a damning reality. The value of Game Pass at that level, at that level of hundreds of millions of dollars being spent, is not a net benefit to the industry. It saves you money. Those games are already coming to the market. And then I look at Halo and Shambles. I look at 343 Downsized, Life Support. And it's like, your own studio, your own first-party piece of property gets mistreated, but you're willing to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on games already coming to the market. You're not investing in a new IP or a new project or a bigger studio. You're investing in a game already coming to market so a bunch of people can play it for 10 bucks a month. There's no net benefit to the, to the market there. There's no bet, net benefit to the industry. You just get to save some money as a consumer. That's it. If you have a bigger view of the gaming world, you're like, wait a minute, these games are already paid for. Jedi Survivor's already paid for. 
and you're considering giving them three hundred million dollars to put it on to, to put it on Game Pass? Put that into a new game. <laughs> Don't you see? It's like when you really zoom out on it, it's like you guys you guys were facing a crisis and, and, and a problem of, of content, and it's like it's of your own doing. And now you're like, well, I, I just let's spend some money. You guys should have spent money three years ago, five years ago. You guys could have hit the middle of this generation with a ton of first-party content. And instead, all your studios are, are doing who knows what. Losing creative directors, losing directors, churning out games like Halo Infinite, and then, and then there's no supporting, and then Redfall, and then Forza Motorsport gets delayed and is launching without features? The biggest high-level takeaway from yesterday for me was Microsoft is not interested in building or developing quality games. They only care about buying content rights. Pretty much. If they wouldn't have bought ZeniMax, what would this year even look like? What would you have? Seriously. If they would have failed to purchase ZeniMax for whatever reason, it just didn't happen, it just didn't go through, what would you have this year? You wouldn't have Hi-Fi Rush... You wouldn't have Redfall, thank God. You wouldn't have Starfield. You'd have a late arrival of Forza Motorsport with missing features and tracks. Like, ZeniMax literally saved them from a content drought by with games that were already coming to market. They were already building these games. <clears throat> did they? So did they add anything to the market by buying ZeniMax? They limited the reach of a, of, a, of, a, of a project that's been, you know, 25 years in the making, but we don't know what that did to the project. We don't know what that did to Starfield. We have no idea what it did. We know that according to Phil Spencer, that that was early in production and they swarmed the studio to help them navigate Starfield to get it to work with the technology on their boxes. Translation, we helped them get this game to run on the Series S, which you can see that in the console version of Starfield. They built it for, they, they, they built that for the Series S. You play on the Series X, and you're playing the Series S version. Fo- foliage is upticked and resolution's upticked. That's it. You're not playing some version of the game that they trimmed down for the Series S. You're literally playing a game that they got to run on the Series S. They added value to their portfolio. That's adding value to the market, right? No. No. If they would have spent all that money to get like Assassin's Creed Mirage or Jedi Survivor or Mortal Kombat and they'd have thrown that on Game Pass, that doesn't do anything to the market. It doesn't. It lets you save some money. And the entire point of today is you can spend hundreds of millions of dollars on third-party games already coming to the market and put them on Game Pass. That's not getting people to convert to Game Pass. You're stuck at $25 million. I know you're being sarcastic, Parasito. And your first party offerings aren't going to be compelling either because you have them set to a cadence of once a quarter at quality and we've seen what that's done to games in Jedi Survivor. We've seen what that's done to games like Forza Motorsport. When cadence trumps quality, you ain't converting people to Game Pass with games like that. Even Starfield itself is not a good test case for, for, for Game Pass conversion. Look at the score on Steam for evidence of that. You think a game with a 76% is going to convert people to, to Game Pass? 
we didn't even get into the fact that they're fighting a losing battle on PC because there's entire there's an entire ecosystem and culture of people who can buy a game and refund it so Game Pass has no value to somebody like that how are you going to get more Game Pass users on PC and cloud if that's the ecosystem and culture and that's the customer that you're trying to appeal to Jedi was fixed I'm not talking about fixed I'm talking about how it launched John it took him four months to fix it and the director just left you think it's a coincidence that the game launches in a terrible state game launches in a terrible state they dig down and fix the most glaring issues for four months and after that happens the director's like I'm out of here I'm leaving clearly a trilogy is coming clearly there's going to be a third Jedi game and this guy's like I'm out Massive, commercially successful, highly reviewed Jedi Survivor. Yeah, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm done. Look at Disney. They're the cause. And Microsoft's no different with the, what they're doing to Xbox and what they're doing with Game Pass as the centrality of the identity of their, their ecosystem and how it grows. I, I, I worry for every first-party studio underneath their ownership because they're Game Pass developers now. That's their job. Feed the funnel. We need content. We need engagement. Get these games out the door. That's why you're getting Forza Motorsport before it's ready. Because it has to land. Fix it later. Okay. We got to shift gears to this gameplay in just a second. Let me quickly run upstairs and stretch my legs and I will gift the five members that I owe you when we get over into this gameplay so give me just a second guys do me a favor though man smash that like button we should easily have 600 likes 50 people man sitting there I guarantee you're lurking and enjoying the show take a second and smash that like button I will be right back
Okay. I'm going to give you guys a link to where we are headed. Let me get this game open. And I got to switch my audio input because we played on the PlayStation yesterday. Okay. Make sure we have the right video featured. We do. Okay. Now, I have been looking forward to this game for a very long time. I have said that this game is, is a game to watch, is a game to pay attention to. The shooting mechanics look really, really good. We are hearing there are some bugs, but overall we're hearing that this game is, is really, really a fun time. So we are going to be checking out Witchfire. It's uh, early access on Epic. Now, I, I'm pretty sure that they consistently uh, have... have. I don't know if they've said like what platforms it's going to be going on, but I do think this is intended to be a multi-plat game eventually. I think. Uh, don't quote me on that. I've tried to find details. I swear I remember going to their, la- their their landing page, launch page website or whatever, and I swear to you it had all the platforms listed, but right now, early access on the Epic Game Store, and we're going to be checking it out. And... Okay. Witchfire... Okay, who makes this game? Do they not have a Twitter account? Okay, like if you're not going to get the username Witchfire Game or Play Witchfire, give me a second to see if they're on Twitter. Huh, quote you on that. I'm going to quote you on that. Uh, Witchfire Game. Epic Games. Is there any people... The Astro Crew? Oh, the Astro Crew is the one working on it. Okay. Alright, so... Mention devs whenever I play their games. Alright, let's go over here. Okay, we do we do track the goal. We do track the goal whenever we play uh, games. So I I'm gonna give you guys the five, but then we can't keep going. All right, hang on a second. Okay, announcements. Okay. Guys, and make sure you guys all did a great job smashing the like button and gift the members here. Make sure and you smash the like button on this video before we leave. We need 17 more likes. And do the same thing when we go to the new video, okay? All right, the link is in chat. That's where we're going. So if redirect doesn't work, then make sure and uh, use that link. It'll also be, it'll also be the... Um, the featured video on the channel. Okay. Uh, okay, let's put that up so you can actually see it. 
Thanks so much for checking out this video. We're going to be playing Witchfire Gameplay. It is in early access on the Epic Games Store. It was $39.99. This has been a game I've been paying very close attention to. I've been saying this is a game to, to, to keep an eye on. Uh, I have heard that there are some bugs and some issues, but overall, people seem to be really enjoying it. It looks like it has like the shooting and the precision and even kind of the feel of like a Destiny, and but it, it's like a rogue but kind of open zone rogue. So I've been wanting to check this game out for a very, very long time. If you enjoyed this gameplay footage, make sure and hit like and subscribe. We did a discussion this morning about Game Pass being headed for failure according to all the new you know emails and things that we've seen from the Xbox leak. I'm going to end that video and bring everybody over with redirect. And thanks so much to everybody who is either watching the past